When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Oh, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to A's Cast Live, and it's official. We are in the offseason. I got to tell you, as much as I love the season, and that's what we live for, on this show, I do love our postseason shows. And it allows us to do a lot of different things because during the regular season, You got to stay on point. It's always about the team. It's about certain things in baseball. It's a lot about games. And that's the way it should be, but it becomes a lot of repetition. Here, once we get to the offseason, we can go in a lot of different directions. You get to explore a lot of different things. You get to look to see how these teams are built, how the GMs, the presidents of baseball operations, how they conduct their business. We'll be down in San Diego for the winter meetings. We'll be heading to the Valley of the Sun for spring training and fantasy camp. And fantasy camp. I really like the offseason. You get to learn. And you get to learn because there's a lot of stuff that gets put out there, whether you're doing it with your eyes or your ears. There's a lot of stuff put out there that you get to learn about the game. And we're getting back into a regular offseason because we haven't had a regular offseason in a while. The last regular offseason we had was 2019. Think about that. It's going to be 2023. There's been a lot of stuff that's gone on, whether it's been a global pandemic, it's been a lockout. There's been a lot of things that have happened in Major League Baseball. And we're finally going to have a normal offseason. And I think our show really shines. It shines during the season, but definitely shines during the postseason and uh, during the offseason, I should say. And probably the number one reason is everybody is transitioning to something else. Everywhere you go, it's going to be football. I get it. Worked in the NFL for years. I understand how big the monster is, the National Football League. 
you're going to be having Warriors. Warriors are king in our market. They're struggling, so there's some interest. Oh, my God, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? It's not Draymond's fault. Should they trade Draymond? You're going to have all of that. You're going to have, well, unfortunately, we would be talking uh, maybe a good hockey season, but Cody's sharks stink. And as long as they stink, they'll be his sharks. And where do you get baseball? Where do you go? I mean, there really is only, I mean, the way I look at it, if you want consistent baseball throughout an offseason, you've got MLB Network, you got SiriusXM, their channel 89, MLB Radio, they're on satellite, so I have no idea why, why they call themselves radio. And you got us. We're literally one of the only options in our sport, in all of baseball. We're one of the only options that goes year-round. So, obviously, you look at the set here. We're going to be doing a lot of A's, but we're also going to be doing a lot of the other 29 teams. We cover this sport like a Snuggie. Look at what we got today. Julian McWilliams from the Boston Globe. Got news coming out of Boston. We got the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak. So Julian McWilliams, brother, Julian used to cover the Oakland Athletics for the Athletic, and now he covers them for the Boston Globe. Ken Korak is going to be here at 2.30, the voice of your Oakland Athletics. The great Sarah Langs from MLB.com and MLB Network at 3 o'clock. And then, Cody, are you sure Jeff Blum's going to be sober enough to do this uh, interview today after the Astros have had their parade in Houston through downtown Houston? So Blummer was originally supposed to be at 2.30. He texted me and asked to push back an hour because he's being on TV. He's one of the TV hosts for uh, Houston's coverage. So Blummer's down there. on. He's our boots on the ground in Houston. So if he's not on a three. So he's not on a float drinking. uh, No, um, he's actually working. Um, I think it's for ABC Houston. So if Blummer's not here at 3.30, that's on him for not being here because he asked to be moved back. I will not blame our good friend, the Cal Bear, the World Series hero, Jeff Blum, if something happens and he's not able to make the show today. We'll just say, in theory, he's supposed to be here. A lot goes on. I mean, I I, I, I hosted a parade on the radio side for the Golden State Warriors as I was sitting in front of the stands. As the parade was going on through Oakland, I was sitting there with Matt Steinmetz, and we were in front of all the empty seats. We were in front of the empty stage. And I was throwing it to all these different locations. It's crazy. Parades are absolutely crazy. And then people start filing in. And, you know, we're right in front of the main stage. And as, a, as the main people for the Warriors start filing in, and we're still carrying it, and now guys are getting off the floats and – they're in the background, and next thing you know, I'm throwing it to Bob Fitzgerald as he was taking as the master of ceremonies. Yeah, I know how crazy parades can be. As I had to, I had to wing that thing for like four hours. It was crazy. So if Jeff Blum makes it, it will be a treat as the Astros are your World Series champion. You know, a couple of thoughts on that. I don't think anybody outside of Houston is thrilled about it. Everybody I talk to, 
I mean, it is what it is. They're going to be the villain. It's very Patriot-like. You get outside of New England, and, you know, Patriots cheated multiple times. They were penalized multiple times. There wasn't one Spygate. There was two Spygates. There was the deflated footballs. There was all of that, right? Then at one point it was the commissioner of the NFL against Tom Brady. Is the commissioner still against Tom Brady, Cody? Um, I don't know if that's changed, but it, we don't hear as much about it. But he was at one point, yes, and Bob Kraft and Belichick. A, a comeback of the ages yesterday in a horrible football game between the Buccaneers and the Rams. But in the scenario, no timeouts, out of time, down four to eight points. Teams are like five for like 495. And the great Tom Brady, even at age 80, brings the Buccaneers back for a win. It was unbelievable. But that's kind of like the best way to put it is the Astros are like the Patriots. It's you have this greatness. I mean, obviously, the Patriots greatness is far bigger than the Astros with all the Super Bowls. But outside of New England, nobody likes them. And I know that for a fact. Nobody in the league likes them. There's a lack of. There's a lack of respect. And that's why, you know, sometimes when you hear people say Bill Belichick's the greatest football coach of all time, there's people who roll their eyes in the league. They really do. And that's what happens when you cheat. There, That's a stain that no matter what you do after you cheat, it's like a really great learning lesson for, for kids and even for us adults. When you do bad stuff, you can rehab the image all you want. You really can. But that stain never leaves you. That's why it's called a stain. What's a stain, Cody? Something that never, well, something that never leaves unless you clean it off, but it's even hard to do that sometimes. Then it wouldn't be a stain. That would just be a mess. A fair, stain stays. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Paint stain, right? anything. I mean, you could stain yourself with a lot of different things. I mean, you you, you, you you put something on your shirt and you put it in the washer and it doesn't come off. It's a stain. It's never leaving. You still like the shirt. You can still wear the shirt. But that stain is still there. Like, for instance, forget me and how I feel. I'm obviously biased. I hate the guys. I hate the organization. But even as MLB Network was showing, this is the network that's paid for by the league. They don't stand alone on their commercials. The MLB network exists because of the league paying for it. That's how these that's how these networks exist, right? And it was smart by the leagues to say, "Hey, listen. We need to get our brand, our game out there every day and we can't rely on cable." Same thing we're doing here. Same thing for the eight. We don't need a radio station. We don't need a program director telling us how we're gonna how we're gonna display our brand to you, the world. We're gonna do it ourselves. And when this network that's paid for by the league, controlled by the league, still during during watching the parade has to talk about, well, you know, seventeen gets brought up. Seventeen was brought up multiple times. That stain 
And let's face it, most of the guys on the team weren't there in 2017, but it doesn't matter. That stain is never going away. That stain for the New England Patriots is never going away. But they are a great team. There's no question about it. The Houston Astros, you know, as the Dodgers, Dodgers are a flamboyant team. They're L.A. If you ever watch them before the game, the way they come out and do BP, I mean, they don't look like a traditional big league team. Guys are out in shorts. Guys are out in sweats. Guys got T-shirts on. Everything's cut up. They're Johnny Cool guys. During the game, everybody's jerseys open. They all got jewelry. They're the Johnny Cool guys. They're the L.A. Dodgers. The New York Yankees, everybody was crowning them in June, going into July. They're going to win the World Series. They're a historic team. You had the Atlanta Braves, the world champs, caught fire, end up catching the Mets. They became a good story. Here came the Philadelphia Phillies, who were a great story, no question about it. Got in, backed in at the very end, and made it all the way to the World Series. You got all these storylines of all these teams. But in the end, Houston Astros are a bad bunch, man. They are just tough all around they are such a well-run organization they really are the model franchise they spend money but they do it wisely they don't make bad deals i'm actually right now waiting um i've been in dialogue with my financial guy because i do have i did i did print it out today the top landing spots for aaron judge I want to kind of go over today, and that's something we're going to talk a lot about. It's going to dominate the postseason. Who will sign Judge? Here are the top options. But I'm asking my financial guy, if you were to look at Judge purely as business, let's call him a stock, would he advise me to buy him? Would you buy a stock at an all-time high When in the future, you know, that stock's going to go down. How much are you going to make on it now? Is it worth it now? So I'm waiting for that answer, but uh, he is uh, slow to get back to me. I'm not one of his big clients. Do you see what I'm saying with that, Cody? I mean, you're, you're, you're a big inside trader in Wall Street. Would you be buying a stock? Like, if you're a team, like all these teams are talking about, I, I, I'm not going to be underbid. I mean, you're buying a stock that's going to be 31 when the season starts next year. Not 30, not 29, 28. You're, he's going to be 31. And you know the best year he just had is probably last year because I can say that is because no human being, that's clean, has ever repeated a year like this. Nobody. You've had guys have their best years. Nobody has done back-to-back. Not even the dirty guys. McGuire didn't repeat it. The only guy that actually really repeated three seasons was Sammy Sosa. Bonds never even – what was up? Bonds, the next highest total Bonds got after 73 was what, 47? I think his career high, other than the 73, was 49. 
overall. 49? I think it was 40. I, I could double check, but um, yeah, it's not 50. He never hit 50. No, he never hit 50 until he hit 73 in 2001. That was the only time and then he never ever hit 50 ever... again. So that's my point, right? Yep. I'm looking at it right he now. Did... Bonds' career high prior to that, sorry, was 49 the year before. He hit 49 in, two th- in the year 2000. Let you know what? Let me let me let me uh, fact check myself, even though I didn't look it up. Babe Ruth would be the only human being that had some years like because Babe Ruth had 59 home runs, and also at 60 home runs. And obviously, I don't think hot dogs, booze, and women <laughs> were considered PED. Does that famous UCLA Olympic Texting Center? I don't know the exact name of it. I apologize to all the Bruins out there. But UCLA is in concert with the IOC and the Olympics and drug testing and all that. I don't think they ever put, like, steak, hot dogs, women, and booze on the banned substance list. Is that correct? Uh, I believe you are correct, and I'll give you the numbers. Uh, Ruth hit 54 and 59. Then he had a a down year of 35. Then he hit 41-46. Then only at 25, then it was 47, 60, 54, 46, 49, 41. And then as he got older, it went down 34, 22. So Ruth did it, but I don't think there are any banned substances. Now, there are substances from what I understand. Do you know how big, big Babe Ruth was? After a World Series, I don't even know. I just know the story. I don't know where they were. I don't know what town. After they won the World Series – he went out partying all night, and he got somebody to deliver a grand piano to his hotel room because the after party went to his hotel room. Have you ever heard that story? No, but that's pretty incredible. <laughs> I mean, what kind of juice do you got to have? There's no cell phones, folks. There's no, I can't go order it on Amazon. I can't get Grubhub or DoorDash. Uber to Eats. A, Uber Eats to send it to my room. Somehow... Babe Ruth got somebody to get up at night, get a grand piano, and get it over to his hotel room where you can just imagine what was happening in this hotel room if he was ordering a grand piano and the after party was at his place. You could just imagine the lifestyle those guys had and uh, what happened in that room, I guaranteed, stayed in that room. Nobody was on Instagram, no TikTok. No pictures, no videos. <laughs> that was the big leagues back in the 30s. I don't, I don't know what year it was. It probably had to be in the 30s, maybe 40s. Uh, I can, I could try looking that up. I, I brought up Aaron Judge's numbers for you though. The year he hit 52 was it 52? Yeah, the year he hit 52 where he won the Rookie of the Year, uh, finished second in the MVP. The next year he hit 27, and then the year after that he hit 27. He ran into some injury problems. So this year when he hit 62. Yeah, he's not an Ironman. There's no doubt. And now you're talking about getting into his 30s. So the question, would you buy the stock? Uh, As of right now, and you ask that question and we look at it, I wouldn't because I know how high the stock is. And and we know the track record of guys that, wait for it, sign big deals after they turn 30. They don't work Uh, out. My financial guy has responded 19 minutes late. Sell that stock. And that gets back to the Astros. And maybe looking at the Yankees. But that's get back. So A's fans, this is the franchise we are chasing. These are the guys we hate. 
These are the guys we boo. But watch how they do business. They had a young shortstop. Incredible player. I like him a lot. I think he's got brass ones. And I and I respect that he's out there and it's money, money, money. Where, where do you got to go? What, what do you, if you want to buy Carlos Correa, you got to go to Dior. Is that what it is? Uh, Dior, yeah. All right, Gucci, whatever you want to go to. Louis Vuitton, where, wherever you think you got to go to pay for him, you go to pay for him. I respect that. I mean, he's out there saying, I'm young, I'm talented, I'm great, I deserve to get paid. The shrewd baseball moves. Not cheap, like we will talk with Julian McWilliams. Boston seems cheap. And I got to tell you, Boston looks horrible with Dave Dombrowski getting back to a World Series. But Carlos Correa, I don't see... I don't see the Astros looking cheap. The Astros go out and do what? Gave money to Altuve. Boom. That's a winner. Gave money to Bregman. That's a winner. This this Jordan Alvarez kid is a pretty good little player. Uh, go out and give him money. Hey, we got a chance to pick up Justin Verlander. What does he cost? Bring him in. But Correa, they looked at and they went, Eh. Is he always yeah? Is, does he got brass ones? No doubt. But you know what? We can replace him. It's good business. We got this Pena kid. I don't know, Cody, if you heard of this Jeremy Pena kid, but he just won the World Series MVP and the ALCS MVP while allowing Correa to leave. Can we now look at that? Call that a, a good business decision? Uh, Pena, the first rookie position player to ever win the. World Series MVP joining a list of the other two guys were pitchers. One of them was Levon Hernandez. Um, he was awesome in the postseason. And Levon Hernandez in '97 was the World Series MVP. I believe he was. It's sad I saw. I'll, let me fact check myself to make sure. Did his- Eric Craig umpire every game in that or what? Because <laughs> I'll never forget that against the Braves was the worst strike zone. I wish I would have had that strike zone when I was pitching. Baseball Reference says he was a World Series MVP, but on, of course, on there it doesn't tell you. Uh, went yeah ninety seven yep ninety seven. He was the World Series MVP. I have the I have it. It was him and it was another pitcher when they won it. Uh, let me just pull it up because I would uh, Jeremy Pena. I guarantee it's not a modern day guy. It was Larry Sherry in nineteen fifty nine was the other one that won the so it was Levi, it was Larry Sherry Levon Hernandez and now Pena is the first uh, rookie position player to win the. World Series MVP. He's also the first rookie shortstop that did a home run in the World Series, which is also crazy. Derek Jeter had a good series. Well, that would have been, what, 95? Yeah, 95. God, we're getting old fast. Was, Larry what, Sherry what, in 1959. Who won it in 1959? Uh, let's take a look. Wait, Jeter didn't play in the World Series in 95. Wasn't that the Braves and Gar- uh, Indians? Because they won oh, it in 96. 96 then. Yeah. He, well, I mean, he was good. I mean, he has the most hits in the career of the po- in the history of the postseason. Well, he He's had pretty a good, good World Series his rookie year. Uh, Larry, I remember that. Let's see. Larry Sherry won the World Series in 1959 with the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
did he do that year? Let's just see what his postseason numbers were. That's that's one year removed from Brooklyn. They won it right because they moved out in '58, and the Giants moved with them in '58. They won it. That means they won it at the L.A. Coliseum, home of the USC Trojans and the 1984 Olympics. He went two and zero with a .71 ERA and four starts in the World Series in twelve and two thirds innings. Uh, sorry, four games, two starts. No, he didn't even start any games. He was just a he was a reliever. In four games, he and he won two wins, a .71 ERA in 12 and two-thirds innings, and he didn't strike out. He struck out five and walked two in 1959 for the Dodgers against the Chicago White Sox. Well, there you have it. Well, the Astros, we're all chasing them. They make good decisions. They're not going anywhere because they still got a lot of talent, and the, and, the, and the talent is one of two things. The talent is – from a salary standpoint, really manageable as what did we say? Javier's making seven hundred twenty thousand. Yeah, it was like said? yeah, it was like seven. It was under seven hundred fifty thousand this year. Yeah, he's, they got a bunch of guys making nothing, and then they got guys who are getting paid well, but they're all manageable contracts. You can have all of that on the books, and you're like, we love the way we operate. They're not cheap. They've got what? They're a top ten three, payroll. They got three hundred million dollar contracts. El Altuve, Bregman, and now Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. Right, and then you kind of look at Verlander, and I know he can opt out, but if he doesn't opt out, twenty five million, whatever. He, I don't see him leaving. So whatever he makes, it's like another hundred million dollar contract guy. Uh, Brantley, and remember, Brantley wasn't even here. Yeah, they have. I think they have eight free Where's agents. His contract. Um, he's a free agent, actually. This year, they have so, eight free agents going into this offseason. They, they they make really sound business decisions, but they're not cheap. Remember that they're not cheap, and that's that's who we're all chasing. So, and then I don't know how to look at it because Cody asked me this question before we get to Julian McWilliams. Are they a dynasty? And I thought about it. so Cody. Cody and I were on the phone last night. And I thought about it. I think we throw dynasty around way too quick. And one of the reasons why is merchandise sales, right? You want to, you want to get that word dynasty on a shirt, on a hat, on a sweatshirt, get it online and just sell the, you know what out of it. So they try and make everybody a dynasty. We saw it here with the San Francisco giants. They won three championships, and people tried to say dynasty, and a lot of people looked around and went, that's not a dynasty. You didn't have con- continued success. Vita Blue, who at the time, our Vita, was getting paid by the Giants, he said on NBC Sports Bay Area, it's not a dynasty. You don't win back-to-back, plus you don't even go to the playoffs in between, not a dynasty. I agree. Not being a hater, I just don't think the Giants were a dynasty, especially when there was only two of the players – Played in all three World Series. That to me is not a dynasty team. You got six straight ALCS. You got two World Series titles. I just, you got to win more than two, two championships to be a dynasty. Like when you've got what Tom Brady and the Patriots did, when you got like what the fort like hey, let me give you a great idea give you a great sense 
of what the 49ers did back in the day. The 49ers for what? 14, 15 straight years won at least 10 games a year in the NFL, which is unheard of. And they were in the playoffs every single, I think it was 14 straight years. And they were in the playoffs 13 out of those 14. And the one year they didn't make it, they won 10 games. How about that, Cody? Win 10 games, you're not in the playoffs in the NFL. Yeah, it's like it's like when Brady got hurt, Castle took over, and they won 11, and they didn't make the playoffs. It's 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 unbelievable. Unheard of. So the 49ers, 10 straight, 14 straight years, win at least 10 games. In the playoffs, 13 out of 14 years, and they won five Super Bowls. That's a dynasty. That It's a, a prolonged – if you look at the defi- – problem with the definition of dy- – a real dynasty lasts for – Decades, right? It's But in sports terms, you've got to have prolonged success. You've got to have championships. And you can almost say where the 49ers is that you had two different head coaches that took you through that. It was a prolonged deal. Like, you can't say the Chicago Bulls weren't a dynasty. But it's almost like theirs didn't run long enough. But they won six titles, so you look like an idiot by saying it wasn't a dynasty. But you almost needed somebody to to come on board, Phil Jackson gone, Michael Jordan gone, and continue to win. That's really what makes you a dynasty, right? Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have to be gone. I mean, they tried to call the Spurs one. You know, like the Warriors. Are the Warriors a dynasty? I, you know, if we're throwing it out easy, yeah. They've won four. Oh, the Spurs The Spurs could be considered one. They won five titles. Their, their run of success has been incredible with the same guys. Well, not now, but when the, the run they won on was pretty incredible. Once again, same guys. Dynasties are really long. Like, like UCLA basketball was a dynasty because you turn the players over every year. Another you one. Have we, guys, you have different guys winning titles in different decades. And that's really what a dynasty is. Another one that we forget about because it's hockey, but the Red Wings of like the late '90s all the way through, they were really good. The I went Mont- back and looked. You, you're too young. Montreal Canadiens yeah. are a real dynasty. The Islanders and Oilers were pretty good too in the '80s. The Islanders were a brief period of time. So were the Oilers. How many Canadians won 24 Stanley Cups? Yeah, that sounds about right. Right. That's what a die. So that's why it's tough to say, because like what you said is kind of like what I'm talking about. Let's throw dynasty on a T-shirt and call them a dynasty. Like the Islanders in the 80s won what, four, four out of five or something like that? Yeah, it was in the early 80s, too. I believe pretty, pretty. They didn't win before and didn't win after. They had a brief moment in time. The Oilers with Gretzky and Messier and those guys. Brief moment of time. Paul Coffey. Yeah, they were. They, yeah, they were good. Uh, by the way, Julian's here. Let's add. Let's we'll see what Julian has to say about it. You understand what I'm saying? The 49ers yeah. won four, four. The Yankees have been to the playoffs 24 times in the last 28 years. I have some numbers on the Astros too that I got. I saw in an Athletic article that we can go over after. This is what their their winning percentage on it, where it computes to everyone else. But I'm going to add Julian to us. Let's see what he thinks. Well, they got some big news going on right now. How you doing, my friend? How are you? What's going on, fellas? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Well, we're having Sorry, a dog. So what? In the background, just my dog's in the background are just killing me. I had to kick him out. 
Oh, we love dogs. So. That's that's the beauty of this show is that it's real, my friend. Who knows? You could have a baby. You, could, you still got – how many kids do you have now? Oh, yeah. I got one. She just turned one, actually. Oh, yeah. You could have a, your child. It, no problem. That's how we roll. I mean, I, I'm just – Trust me, it gets a lot easier. I got kids in high school, so I don't have to see them all day. It makes it real easy for the show. Um, we're trying to dissect the Houston Astros and mm-hmm. win and winning the title. And it, it can take me back to where you are now with the New England Patriots. It's like there's always going to be that stain. And I can tell you around the NFL, people always roll their eyes about the Patriots. Their greatness, they got the rings. But there's always that stain. Now, I'm not going to say the Astros. I'm not going to compare their greatness to the New England Patriots. That's silly. But it's kind of the same thing. Do you see it that way? Yeah, they won a title. Yeah, they won a second one. But there's always, in your mind, there's always going to be a stain. 100%. I mean, you can't take away the 2016, I mean, 2017 season. I mean, it doesn't say, oh, because they won the title in 2022 that now the the title in, 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 in 2017 is now legitimate. I mean, that's, that's, that'll be stupid to even, you know, insinuate that. Um, and I'm seeing them throw around. I saw Josh Reddick, you know, former A, obviously tweet dynasty and stuff like that. It's like, come on, man. I mean, you won, it's, what is it? Like uh, uh, one rigged, um, one asterisk title. And, and so basically two titles in six seasons, basically, if we were really talking about 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and then one of them has a huge asterisk to it. So essentially, you can say they really won one title. Now, granted, they're awesome franchise. I think they are what people say the Dodgers are. I think the Dodgers have been a little over, hugely overrated by us, by the media, right? Come, like, they're the team of the century. They're the this. And they get bumped in the, in the, in the DS, uh, lose to the Braves last year. Obviously, the Braves went on to win it. However, um, when you're looking at a dynasty, it's really, really, really hard to win. And you, and it's a reason why you really haven't seen a repeat champion or you haven't seen a repeat champion in baseball since the Yankees of the, you know, of the nineties. And I don't think you really will see one. So um, to call them a dynasty is, is, is really, really tough because it's, it's just, I think you got to win more than two titles in six seasons and really one title in six seasons in my eyes for you to be a legitimate, legitimate winner. Yeah, you're so right. You know, the MLB notes that we get, before uh, every game, and it's for all the games. And, like, the Yankees in in June when we were there were just historic, and no one's done this since these previous Yankee teams, and they're going to win it. People were crowning the Yankees in June. By the end of the year, the Dodgers and their run differential, it's so historic. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the way the Astros – the Astros are not cheap. They spend money, but they do it wisely, and they're smart with all their signings. They've been smart with their international signings. I agree with you. If you looked at, okay, how do you want to run your franchise? Technology, you're still scouting, but you put such a premium on technology, they spare. They spare no expense on technology. They are the true firm believers on spend as much as you can to make our players. They've got the high-end cameras at every level of their ballparks. I think you got to say, Julian, they are the model organization. They are, and, and even if you, you alluded to their international signings, I think, I mean, they're, they're, it's it's incredible. I mean, who's ever running their international site needs to be GMs of, of teams, you know, ASAP. For the, for, I mean, Fran Valdez, Christian Javier, uh, all those guys. It's just like uh, Jose, uh, how to pronounce his last name, Ur- Urquidy, um, Jordan Alvarez, who they got from the Dodgers in a trade. 
Yeah. Um, um, you know, it's it, it, the list goes on and on and on. And I think if you look at the the way they, they their player development is is just incredible. I mean, they get rid of Jose. I mean, I mean Carlos Correa, and turn it out into Jeremy Pena, who goes into New York, lights them up, and wins ALCS MVP in four games. Then wins then wins um, MVP. Um, um, excuse me, World Series MVP uh, in the World Series. So I think if you look at just the just what they do and how they're able to turn the page, turn the page, turn the page, and turn that into talent, um, I think that's something really, 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 really special. You know, one thing that kept being brought up in the World Series was Dave Dombrowski and his ouster in Boston. Win the World yep. Series next year, you're fired during the season. Like yeah. it was after it was after they got trounced by the, after they got like whopped, like wild by the Yankees. I think on a I think it was a Sunday or Monday night. He was just gone in in, in I think early late August or early September, one of those times. Yeah, they did a uh, the USA Today. I got the article in front of me because uh, they put it out later in Sports Weekly about just how it felt so dirty. And a lot of people in the industry, like for us, what what do we care, right? We're out west. Who gets? I love Dave Dombrowski, though. I, I've known him for for many years. Um, He's awesome, Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall oh, of Famer. no doubt. And it's like, and he doesn't and, he doesn't get enough credit. He does not get enough credit. I mean. The guy is, is, is incredible. He wants, if you want a guy to build a winner immediately, <laughs> that's the guy to call, I think. You know, he, just his, his trades. And it's like, it's not even the trades like of like, oh, yeah, he got, you know, acquired J.D. Martinez and, and David Price. Those are the obvious ones. But if you look at the, you know, the World Series MVP that year, Steve Pierce, um, who he got, uh, you know, in, in that trade, you know, uh, in it via trade, he ended up winning World Series MVP. Brandon Marsh for the Philadelphia Phillies this year. He ended up getting him from the trade for the Angels to to you know upgrade their their defense. So he's 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 a baseball guy. He's been in it for a long long time. And I really don't think he gets his his flowers enough in this industry. Uh, this article talks about how he was so hurt, and one of the reasons why he didn't go to the Phillies is he had gotten a job with the Nashville Stars. Our own Dave Stewart is going to get a baseball team in Nashville. They brought him down there to be a consultant, and then once baseball really gets going for him to take over the operation, and then here comes the Phillies trying to get him, and then finally he says yes, but he was hurt by what happened in Boston. What was said, I know it's moved on to football season, it's the Celtics and the Bruins and everything back in New England, but how much talk about Dave Dombrowski, his ouster, what Heim Bloom hasn't been able to do in Boston, and now you're watching Dombrowski build another team going to the World Series. How much was that brought up? It, it definitely was, and I think if you you know if you talk to some people even within the Red Sox, um, they were genuinely happy for Dave Dombrowski. They're like, look, this is this is who he is. Like this is this is what he does. Like this is a guy that's a baseball mind. I mean, I go back to the trades of like you know like Steve Pierce, even Ian Kinsler that they got on on that route on that 2018 team. So he's able to see the game in a different way. And I think if you look at sort of what he's built in Philly and, and granted, like they, they, they got there and they got hot at the right time. You know, I don't, that, that wouldn't be my pick to win a world series. You mean be in the world series again, if I were to, if I were, if I were to, to, uh, to pick a team, however, he got them there and he's been doing that with his model for decades. Now, if you want to talk about a singular dynasty, if you want to talk about a person who's been able to adjust with times and still keep his model in place, it's Dave Dombrowski. Uh, uh, just what he's done in the, the Detroit, 
what he did in uh, uh, um, in Florida with the Marlins, what he did with the Red Sox, obviously, after they couldn't get over the hump of Ben Sherrington, who kind of had a little bit of a similar uh, mold to Heim Bloom, the process, the process, the process. So well, what, when does it become about results in, in winning the World Series? Well, Dave Dombrowski came in there and said that, So and did that. So if you're looking at the, the totality of everything, I think if you see, you know, the Red Sox are like, yeah, like this is something, if you speak to anybody within, some of the people within the organization, they'll say, yeah, like this is what we expected Dave to do, right? Like this is what, <laughs> this is what he does. This is what we expected him to do. And it puts, I think, in, in some way, it puts more, uh, puts a lot of perspective, puts a lot of more pressure in a, in some sense on Heim to like, hey, man, you got to get something going. You got to get something moving, right? I mean, you, you look at this, not to play a comparison or anything, but this is a guy that's been, uh, you know, he co- comes over in his second, third year, and they're in the World Series. And Heim Bloom, they've had second two, uh, you know, last place finishes in the division in his, in his three years here. So, um, I know I know the owners talked about long-term sustainability and wanting to build that uh, sustainable winner. He hasn't done that yet. Heim Bloom, the wonder kid from the Rays, came in 2019. I don't even think he – is he even 40 yet? I think he's about he's, – he's pushing. He's probably like 38, 39 maybe, somewhere right? around there. So he's a wonder kid. I think kid, he got right? the job when he's like 36, 35, 36 or something like that. Yeah, he's been known as, you know, one of these smart kids, reinvents the world, what he did in Tampa, and now he's, you know, for some reason, Boston, we got to we gotta stop spending as much money in our farm system. I'm just wondering where we are now, and Xander Bogarts, I don't know what he is going to, he opts out of three years, $60 million. Um, Big names, I think Mookie Betts is, is the one that really – uh, comes to mind that that is no longer with the Red Sox letting a star. Where are the Boston Red Sox with Heim Bloom after watching Dave Dombrowski get to another World Series and watching the Boston Red Sox highest price tickets in the game? They make a ton of money, but they're being run like the Tampa Bay Rays. Where are we? You know, I, I, Dave Dombrowski aside, I think even after the season, after they got bumped, I think it it, it, it makes Heim's seat a little bit warm. Um, I think this is a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal season for him. And I think if he doesn't get it done, there's a chance. There's a, I think there's a strong likelihood that, um, you know, he might be out as, as, as general manager. And Heim's a guy that I like. Um, he's, he's honest. He, he tells you uh, he's always available. Um, you know, he's, he's always professional. However, if we're, we're in a results-oriented business and you have to kind of have to keep it, you know, real in a sense in terms of just, just, just seeing what's there and the results have not been there. Um, you know, I go back to, uh, you know, even 2021 season, they sort of ran into this, 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 uh, you know, this winning streak. And people talk about Kyle Schwarber. They loved Kyle Schwarber in Boston, right? And 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 the thinking was like, okay, you got one more year of JD Martinez, but this could be the perfect guy to move over into this position at uh, at the DH spot and be your DH for years to come. They didn't want to give him. They they didn't want to give him the money, so he goes and signs with Philly. And not only he's not their DH, but he's playing the outfield, playing the outfield at Fenway in a big ballpark, playing the outfield at Fenway Park at, in left field. It's a little bit easier than a lot of other ballparks. You can sort of protect outfielders that aren't necessarily that good in the outfield from themselves because of just the short, you know, the the, the short the short range from from home plate to to, to to the Green Monster. So this is a pivotal year for him. Um, you know, you look at the he got rid of Hunter Renfro, uh, got Jackie Bradley Jr. Tried to upgrade the defense and then 
and Hunter Renfro goes out there and hits 28 home runs or 29 home runs. They end up DFAing Jackie. Um, you know, they they let Schwarber walk. Well, Schwarber leads the runs, uh, leads the the National League in, in, in home runs with 46 home runs this year. So, and the Red Sox, I think, ranked 20th in home runs. They could not put the string together any of those huge, huge runs that they needed. So, this he's had a lot, a lot of misses this year. Um, and I think if you look at if you look at things and you look at the perspective of how ownership wants to be run, yeah, you don't you don't want to necessarily break the bank even on the Red Sox and I think they should break the bank but they don't want to be in last place every year that's not what they signed up for so I think it's made Heim's spot seat a little bit warm going into 2023 what are they going to do with Bogarts I think they get something done I think they get something I think ownership um sort of stepped into it now I will say this had they made the playoffs this year and made some sort of run I think Haim would have been in a position to sort of flex his muscles a little bit and say, no, I'm going to go this direction, go that direction. Now it's like ownership's like, uh-uh, like we, we, we cannot let this guy go because, you know, in reality is I don't know if Haim will be here next year. That, that's a, that's a, that's a, re, that's a, a huge, huge reality that the Red Sox might have to face. So if you're looking at it from a perspective of, of, of a linchpin person in an organization, linchpin player in an organization, leader in the clubhouse, it's Xander Bogarts all the way, and he's intimated on on several occasions, on numerous occasions throughout the season, that he wants to be in Boston. It wasn't like Mookie, where Mookie was trying to get his 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 value, his total total value for the dollar, and it didn't matter if he was in wherever. He wanted his value, and I respect yeah. that. Xander was a guy that said, "No, I want to be a part and immersed in, in Boston. I am Boston," and I think that resonates with the fan base. Uh, in a way that, you know, it didn't necessarily resonate with, with, with the fan base with Mookie because Mookie wanted his dollar amount and give it. He got it from the Dodgers. You got to respect that. But Bogarts is, is, a, is, a, is a hometown kid. Um, he's, he's, from, he's from Aruba. He's, he's, he's really no frills, you know, just kind of lays low with his family all the time. You know, if you want a guy to represent your organization and represent it the right way, it's Xander Bogarts. So it kind of sounds like what we're seeing in smaller markets, but this is as big a market and as big as a team as any team really in American professional sports. I mean, the Red Sox are huge. It sounds like they've got somebody running their front office that it really becomes about him in the front office, about always wanting to win because of him and his moves, and I put the the puzzle together, and we're really getting a sense this is what Dave Dombrowski isn't. Dave Dombrowski is all about winning a World Series. What we're finding right, is right. We, have, we have a lot of executives that want to make these moves, and they want to build teams, and it's about them. So when the credit comes down, how did they win? It's, oh, look at all these moves and how smart we are, and it's not about star players and spending big money. But when you're in Boston and you're charging those prices and you need television ratings, you need some stars. Like, what What the hell is yeah. the problem? Boston Red Sox are about having star players. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it drives me nuts, just the industry in, in, a, in a whole where it's like, in, in itself, where it's like they, 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 they do this wins within the margins type of thing, right? They try to outsmart everybody. Oh, I'm going to get this guy that equals up to – because he has a three-war and this other guy has a three-war – it's going to, Xander Bogarts has a six war. So I'm going to get these two guys and it's going to equal up to Xander Bogarts. It's like, that's not how it works. Or I'm going to try to get this guy from the weight. I'm going to try to get this guy from the waiver wire because uh-huh. we like the way his splitter, his splitter, his splitter looks on the X or Y axes. Like, it's like, 
you know, we, we, we can get underneath the hood. That, that's, that's the saying, that's, that's the, that's the, the buzzword for buzzword buzz phrase for me. Let's get underneath the hood. He has, he like has more underneath the hood. And I they like all that. say that underneath the hood. And so that's how, you know, the guy sucks. <laughs> right. And they're trying to find something there that, Oh, we like the spin rate on this fastball. If we get, we, we feel like our pitching staff, we can get underneath the hood and get and and, 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 and turn this guy into a pitcher. They did that with Garrett Richards, because if you look at Garrett Richards, spin rate everything it's off the charts the guy's not a gamer that, that's what it came down to he, he, he was soft like that's that's the reason and so i think sometimes not now i think but but, but previously i think heim uh, uh underestimated in a sense uh what it took to play in this market uh and what it takes to play you don't necessarily need yes the, the advanced stats they're great but do you have this do you have heart <laughs> and yeah. And, and I think that that's what it sort of comes down to in this market. It's always about, you know, you know, you have family from your townie. Like yeah. this is this is where your roots are. Like it's it's all about winning blue collar. You know, hey, man, are you going to be in the in, in the trenches with this type of type of heart? And if you don't respond well to that, then you won't play well. So I think Haim has realized that I think there's been a lot of growing pains from him. Again, I like him. I think he's a smart guy. I think um, he's he's done some really good things with this team. But he's going to have to show more going into the season, you know, uh, because because this is a huge year for the Red Sox. And the division has only gotten better. The Orioles, like, they're a legitimate team, a legitimate catcher. The Yankees will always be there. We can talk about their postseason, you know, struggles and whatever. The, 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 the Toronto Blue Jays will always be there, right, at this point, even though they're a little un- inconsistent. Um, the Rays are always there. So you're looking at a division that's gotten better. It's gotten better really, really quick. So this is this is a pivotal pivotal year for the Red Sox and Hein Bloom. Oh my, you know, and, and everything you're saying is dead on because when you work in Tampa, you can do whatever you want, when you want, as long as the owner's not, you know, worried about the money. You can ship guys yeah, in, yeah. ship guys out. There, there's there's one paper covering you. The sports radio doesn't care. No one cares. Like you get, you can't do that in Boston. This is religion, right? And the fact yeah, that yeah. the fact that these guys, the way they, it takes me back to the Dodgers. Think about that final game against the San Diego Padres. Three out of the four relievers that they had in were guys making seven hundred and fifty thousand or less. Here you are, the Dodgers with this huge payroll. You spend all this money on front office. Andrew Friedman down your front office. You got PhDs. You got independent contractors. You've got a whole think tank of like engineers working on stuff. They spend mm-hmm. millions in front office, and you're going to lose to the San Diego Padres with three guys making seven hundred grand on the mound. It makes no and sense. Pull out, and, and pull out your starter who was dealing. By the way, like it's yeah. it's it, it, they're they're relievers for a reason, right? Is because they're not good starters and over over the course of 162 game season plus the playoffs a lot of times you you see them sort of those those relievers sort of regress a little bit so that's why it's so important to have starting pitching and I, I, man i we've I, we've said it all season it's it's a uh, um i think i think these front offices really try to outsmart everyone and and like like kind of you said be the smartest person in the room and, and in a lot of ways it backfires and you're you're starting to see teams now um, whether it's the hiring of Bruce Bochy or bringing in Dave Dombrowski or, um, you know, Bob Melvin, obviously, in, in, um, in, in, uh, with the Padres or, you know, Rob Thompson with the, with, the, with the Phillies. I think you're starting to see a little bit of a shift. 
where teams are saying, okay, it's, it's important to have that little bit of a human element in this too. And I, that's why I think it's so important for, um, for a person like Dusty Baker to win, you know, the world series is because not only is he, I think a, a really a brilliant manager, but I think he has a, a pulse and feel for guys that a lot of people in baseball don't have. And I think that was a part of his game that was, or part of his, his, his coaching and managerial uh, um, skills that was sort of uh, casted away and casted aside and left him out of a lot of jobs. So now I think you're really, really starting to see a shift back, you know, to, a, to, to, to that type of culture, because I think it's important. I think it's important for player development. I think it's important for uh, um, um, just keeping the morale up. Uh, and, and obviously you're seeing it with, with guys, I think, you know, even Snickter winning last year, that's an old school guy with, with a lot of baseball. He's forgotten yeah. more baseball than we've ever learned. So I think you're looking at guys now seeing the value and saying, okay, it's, it's worth having guys that have that little bit of feel with them too. It's a great point. I mean, just look in the postseason. you know, here you're talking about Dusty Baker, the oldest manager ever to win the world series, you know, Rob Thompson on the other side is no spring chicken. Bruce Bochy coming in, Bob Melvin in playoffs, Nitker in the playoffs, uh, Buck Showalter. We were at yep. a point where everybody wanted to go young. The guys got to understand analytics. They got to understand what the front office. It was all about the front office and forgetting about mm-hmm. the players. Now we're getting back to, as I always say, you need leadership. Somebody's got to sit at the front of the plane. Somebody's got to sit in front of the bus. Someone's got to lead this team. Someone's got to deal with these men. There's problems on the field, off the field. They're dealing with stuff. Somebody's got to be the mature voice in the room. We all know that from our lives. That person that you can go to, that you can trust, is just not some young guy who's getting bossed around by the front office. You're not going to trust that guy. You're going to trust a Dusty Baker. I know you got your finger on the pulse of New York and the Yankees. Uh, look into that crystal ball. This is going to be a crazy offseason for them. Doesn't look like many changes so far. How do you see it? Yeah, they're they're arrogant, and I think that's what that's what sort of. Um... I think I think Cashman has sort of, in some ways, lost his fastball. I think, you know, if I were if I were, um, you know, I don't want to say if I were owner, but like I think there needs to be some change at the top, and, and I think it kind of starts with him. Obviously, I don't think that'll happen, um, you know. And I think he's sort of the guy that's sort of gotten swooped in by this entire um, this entire process thing, right? I think I use that word with goes back to the process of is I, Isaiah Conner for left for your shortstops. Like, well, you know. We thought he did a real good job this year, despite, you know, the, the errors he made because he had a good process. If you have a good process and it's like, dude, like kill me with the process stuff. Like, it's like, it's crazy. It drives me nuts. Like stop. Um, but if there was, if there was any season though, that I think that told them, Oh wow. Like we're not, we're not close to these guys. It should have been this year. Right. Not only do you, do you lose in, in, in not only do you lose, but you lose in four games, you get swept, you lose at home. Lose, lose, lose those games at home. You don't even make it to a game five at home. And, you know, before they can say, oh, we lost in game six at Houston. We lost in game seven at Houston. We were two games away from the World Series. You're way off. And so I think there needs to be change there at the top. I don't think there will be. Um, but there, the, but when you get to postseason baseball, I think their approach at the plate particularly, and granted, they're missing LeMayu and, and Benettini, which were huge bats for them. But I think I think you're able to pitch them a little bit better. I speak to players from the Red Sox, the players around the league, they're like, yeah, like they're one of the easier, they're one of the easier lineups to pitch to, to game plan for because they have all the same guys. Wow. And so, you know, it's it, so, and, 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 and 
if you look at their lineup, like, yeah, it was very, very, uh, like, like, like similar to 2021 or in 2021, rather, it was very, very right-handed dominant. And you're looking at Judge, Stanton, Torres, and it's like, okay, like, outside slider, you know, expand up, span down. Oh. It's not, it has no yeah. really Donaldson. It has really no really, like, you know, flexibility when they, within that lineup. So I think players look at a situation like if we keep them in the ballpark, which, yes, it's tough to do, but if we keep them in the ballpark, it unravels their entire game plan. They're easy. They're easy to pitch to. So they're they're, they're going to have to do something because you're looking at, at at a Houston team that's not going anywhere. Their division again is not going anywhere, and I think they got punched in the mouth this year, real real bad. And I think that's not a wake up call. I don't know what is. How's the family doing? Everybody's good, man. Daughter's walking now, getting into stuff. So <laughs> got to got to baby proof the house. So it's a whole different ball game when they can pick something up and leave the room with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw her with her with her hand on a screwdriver the other day. I was like, "Yeah, I got it. I got to figure something out here." So, <laughs> are you going to be in San Diego for the winter meetings? I will. I'll be there. Let's have dinner, my friend. Sounds good. I'm there. You're the best. It's great to see you. We love you, and we'll see you in San Diego. Thanks, fellas. Love you guys too, man. The great Julian McWilliams from the Boston Globe. I mean, spitting fire. He's spitting fire today. I love that guy. He was uh, he was great when he covered the A's. It was sad. Remember that day, Cody, when we found out he was leaving? You're like, man, you're leaving? Because he was a uh, – things can get stale. I think it's not like that anymore, but at one point things kind of got stale inside the the, the group. You know, we're not a part of that group because we're not writers. We're not, you know. But I think that it was a little stale. He brought something fresh. He brought something new. He stirred the pot. Uh, you remember that? It was sad when he was like, man, you're going. Well, obviously, he's from the Northeast, so we were happy for him. But we were sad to see him go. Yeah, then we got to. it was cool, though. We got to see him in San Diego last time we went. So we'll see him this time when we go. Um, but, yeah, I, I love what he does with the, with the Red Sox. He's got a good follow on Twitter uh, by Julian Mack. Uh, on Twitter if you want to follow him. It's all your Red Sox news. He was talking about the World Series. He takes shots at the Yankees, which, I, I mean, I love seeing that. Oh, so. fire. <laughs> fire. Uh, you know what? We got to get to that. He said a lot of things. And, okay, two things coming up next. My favorite show led with this today. I think it's a problem. I think it's changeable, though. I think we can change this problem. But it's a problem. And number two, Julian, in the last, like, six minutes, spit some serious fire, making some news right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. 
Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Hohokam Stadium. Shantoni, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. That was good stuff. Ken Korak, the voice of your A's, is going to show up here at 2.30. I guess he's in the office. Uh, confirmed. I saw him about three minutes ago. He came in to say hi. What's Ken Korak doing in the office? Uh, meetings. He's a popular He's a popular man, so he's here to see, show some face and you know, you know, shake hands and kiss babies, as they say. I don't think there's any babies in our office, but you know. No, I don't think there's. I don't think there's anybody to have an autograph with either. But if that's what he's doing, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, there are people in this office that are pretty young, so we can consider them babies. But Ken was not kissing any babies in this office. Figure of speech. You know what? What? And it's going to be something that we get into. And you know, things evolve. Things are always evolving. But yeah, there, there, there was this time, and we're kind of coming out of this time. But there was this time where the belief was that everything's about data. That's that's the only thing that matters. Data, it's the only thing that matters. And a lot of teams were trying to sell that. And I got a feeling, and you're just seeing it by the actions of what Julian was just talking about. When we see Rob Thompson on the one side for the Phillies, how old's Rob? He's got to be 60s. Yeah, look here, I'll pull it up real quick. Rob Thompson is? Jesse Baker's 73. Rob Thompson's 50, and he'll be 60 next or this August coming up, so 2023. Okay, so he's going to be 60. Bob Melvin's 60, right? Isn't Melvin 60? Melvin's, yeah, yeah, he's, oh, I think he might be going on 61. Bob Melvin is. Edgar's in his 60s. Melvin's Both 61. in his 60s. Yeah, Melvin just turned 61. Yeah, so you got, so this whole, let's get the 33-year-old guy who we can basically pay not, I mean, you're not giving big contracts to young guys that are getting bossed around by the front offices. You're not. They're not getting four years, X amount of million. These guys are not getting paid a lot. And they are basically front office tells them everything to do and they do it. And then the front office builds them up as, oh, this guy. Oh, we're lucky to have this guy. He's a genius. What was Green's name in San Diego that pre- that they tried to build? Andy Green? Uh, Andy Green, and then there was our guy Jace Tingler right after him. Andy Green had a photographic memory. This guy's brilliant. This guy, the, the, the numbers, nothing gets past him. Well, the only problem is everybody hated him. Still a people-person business. And that wave of we're going young, we're going a guy who – they go, understands the data. That's That really means he's a house-picked guy and we can boss him around. He's going to do exactly what we want. We're starting to get away from that in baseball. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's the way sports goes. Copycat league, and now everybody's starting to go, huh, we need that older, 
wiser guy. Look at all the managers in the postseason. Who's the one guy that came out looking like a dip you-know-what? Who? Uh, for looking at any, I'm trying to think of who was young. Not Dave Roberts. No. He's well, young, though. Yeah, he He's does. younger. Kevin Cash? Nope. This year's playoffs. And they just revamped his entire staff. Why am I drawing a blank on a coach's revamped his staff? St. Louis? Oh, Oliver Marmolia. Yeah, he's what? He's only like two years older than I am. He looks like deer in headlights, right? Get the young guy. We can control. Mazalak's the guy that runs it there in St. Louis. I'm going to control him to a T. And all of a sudden, here's the bright lights of the postseason. And he's up there at the podium with all the media. And he looked like, oh, my God. I got to answer these questions. I got to, you know, I mean, he looked so out of sorts. He looked exposed. He looked 100% exposed. So that kind of, that kind of guy, for some reason, no one's looking for that guy. I mean, the man, the, the, the Rangers, this is the first, Bruce Bochy is the first guy they've hired as a manager to run the ball club that had experience since Buck Showalter, which what year was that? 2003. I mean, that was a long time ago. I, I mean, oh, I, got, I got married in 01. That's how long ago it's been since they went out and said, you know what, let's, let, let's ha- let, let, as they like to say, let's hire a guy that's got a little dirt on his spikes. Yeah, I mean, in the last 12 years, it was Wash, Jeff Bannister, and then it was Chris Woodward. Now you brought in Bruce Bochy. I, oh, Chris Woodward's so smart, so this, so that. You know what he was? A loser. I mean, they so, never won. We're, we're, getting, we're getting this trend back into, you know what? Need to have the adult in the room. Because there's so much truth to, and I think we all know, that when you have a boss that has experience, that has knowledge, that has compassion, there's something to that. I mean, look at Gabe Kapler. Cody thinks he's buddies with him, calls him Cappy. But look at Gabe Kapler. I think Gabe Kapler can be that guy. I think he does have some compassion. But what it sounds like in Philly was Gabe Kapler was the guy, numbers, 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 and just players just go, they tune out on you. You got to love your players. You got to be there for your players. A lot happens in life. That's why I always like to compare it to your job, your work. You know the bosses you like. You know the bosses you hate, male or female. I mean, the manager is the boss. He's the guy that's got to answer for all the crap. Before the game, after the game, he's got to deal with you. When you got problems, you go to him. You don't go. If you have problems at home with your wife and it's affecting your play, who do you go to? You go to the manager. You don't go to the front office, especially today's front offices. You think as a player they trust these guys? Who do you go to? I have a child that's sick. I have a problem with the baby. I have a problem. I've got a legit problem. I'm a human being. I've got a problem. 
Who do you go to? Andy Green, the know-it-all 30-year-old something? No offense, 30-somethings, but he's the know-it-all. And he all, it's the numbers. I, I just read numbers all day long. And the number, that the, Is that the guy you're going to? Or do you want to go to Bob Melvin? Or Dusty Baker? Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I might be getting a divorce. Or I, I, my, my child needs a procedure. These are these baseball players are young men having young families. They've got issues. Life's not easy. We all know that. We live it. They do too. Just because their paycheck is way bigger than ours doesn't mean they don't got issues. Somebody has got to be, I always say, front of the plane, front of the bus. That's the guy who's leading the charge. The manager doesn't hang in the back. The head coach for a football team doesn't hang in the back. No, they're out front. When the bus pulls up, he's the first guy that gets off the bus. I'm the leader of the ship. And you got to have that guy. He may not always be the right guy. Joe Girardi. I mean, you read this article about Dave Dombrowski, and Dave Dombrowski, the powers that be in Philly wanted to get rid of Girardi earlier. Dombrowski wasn't ready for that. He wasn't ready to make that change yet. He wanted to see it play out a little longer. That comes from experience. And then once he had seen enough, all right, let's make the change. And he did it at the right time. And has respect for Joe Girardi, but it was time to move on. Joe wasn't a great fit. That comes with experience. And experience is getting back into our game, mixed in with the stuff that really matters with the data and the technology. That matters. It's a marriage. You got all this stuff. How do you use it? How do you use it to do one thing? Because the only thing that matters in our game is to win. To win. W's. And what did Julian just talk about? Oh, you know, forget this star player. Why don't I don't want to pay that guy? I'm going to get two or three different guys, and they're F wars. They're, are we going B war or F war, Cody? Are we going to go off the F war or the B war? Uh, you can use either. Let's let's use F war for the sake of this argument. All right, we're going to take his F war. We're going to use this, and this guy will amount to that, folks. That worked with Moneyball and Billy Bean. Why? Because he had to do it. Like, this is the thing that's, like, crazy in our game now is everybody wants to be like Billy Bean. And when you talk to all these guys, they all grew up. Think about someone like Heim Bloom, who's not even 40 yet. I looked it up. He's 39. This guy runs the Boston Red Sox. His first year in Tampa, Bloom began working for the Tampa Bay Rays in 2005 as an intern. So the Moneyball season has already happened, right? Moneyball's coming out. Book, movie, so many of these guys. Now, Bloom, Heim Bloom's on the young side. You got guys in their 40s. They've all said they were fascinated by Moneyball. Yes, our little world of Moneyball. But what they fail to realize is the only reason why Billy Bean did it it's because he had to. It's the art of survival. You either eat or you starve. Which one are you going to do? Billy Bean cho- chose to eat. Well, if I'm going to eat, this is how I got to eat. I got to scrape and claw and do whatever I can to build a team that gives me a shot. 
But now you have these guys running these franchises, as Julian McWilliams just said to us from the Boston Globe, Heim Bloom wants to make decisions like he's running the A's and not running the Boston Red Sox. And that if Boston had a good year, he would tell his 30-year-old free agent who opted out to go pound sand. Why? Because I'm smarter. And I'm going to replace him with not giving that guaranteed money. I may take the same money. Let's say three years, $60 million. I may take that $60 million and give it to three guys and to do all this stuff because in the end, I can tell everybody, look how smart I am. I've said it before. These GMs, I, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I said it with going over the last dance. Remember the last dance about the Chicago Bulls? Jerry Reinsdorf was the owner. Already going to have a big ego, that doesn't matter. But it was Jerry Krause who was the GM who made a lot of moves but never got the credit because all the credit went to Michael Jordan. Jordan got all anything happened. It was because of Jordan. Jordan, and it drove him nuts. We should have seen then, but I was in high school, so I wasn't. And Cody wasn't even born. We should have seen this coming. And if you didn't hear that show, let me repeat it. Jerry Krause and the Chicago Bulls was the start of what we have today. Front office people want to be somebody. Front office people want to be stars. They all read Moneyball. They all saw the movie. They want to be like Billy Bean. They want to be something. These guys could take their fancy degrees. Hein Bloom, I don't even know. What did he graduate with? And where did he go to school? He graduated. Oh, he went to Yale. Shocker. Hein Bloom went to Yale and that's where he met his wife. She earned a B.A. in economics and international studies. What did he get? A bachelor's degree in Latin classics from Yale College. <laughs> I, I just looked up Andrew Friedman. Uh, Andrew Friedman actually played baseball, and he went to Tulane, so he didn't even go to an Ivy League school. He went to school in the, in the South. So Andrew Friedman, who used to run the Rays, actually played baseball. And then now you got, you got Hein Bloom, who got a degree in Latin studies. By the way, that not that all the people who go, you know, nine out of ten people don't have college debt or whatever the number is? And they're saying, oh, yeah, we got to relieve people of college debt. Yeah, because you got to relieve the guy who went to Yale and studied Latin classics. I mean, it just speaks to what the critics have to say about bailing out college debt. I went to Yale, took out a ton of money. And I'm in debt, but I got that Latin classics degree. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but in that rich Latin. But anyway, Hein Bloom can't go to Latin classics and become a star. He can't become a household name and become somebody and make millions of dollars with his Latin classics degree from from Yale. You know where he can be? Baseball. That's where all these guys with their fancy Yale, Harvard, and all their degrees, they actually could make more money working in other places, but where can they be somebody? You only live once. People want to be somebody. People like being stars. People like being in the public eye. 
You're in the public eye as a general manager. You're in that public. You you are somebody that's out there on television. People know who you are. This is Hein Bloom's chance to be somebody. So yeah, you don't think Hein Bloom in Boston would rather let the big money got JD Martinez wants to opt out. Perfect. We got rid of Mookie Betts. Gone. Xander Bogarts opts out in a perfect world. I let him go and I replace it with all my ideas and how I want to mold the team and spread the money around. And so when the Red Sox win, I'm a genius. It's about me. Jerry Krause with the Chicago Bulls had no problem saying, I want Jordan to go. I got my six rings with Jordan. I got my six rings. Now Jordan leaves. I get all these draft picks. Remember what Jerry Krause, remember that, Cody? What his idea was, I'll get all these draft picks, I'll rebuild, we'll win. And then it just wasn't all about Jordan. It was about me, too. Yeah, and that, that uh, Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry, all those guys they got in the first round never panned out for the Bulls. I mean, Tyson Chandler had a nice career later on. But, yeah, it never worked out for Jerry Krause, and then they moved on from Jerry Krause. And Hein Bloom wants to be the guy. You just heard the beat writer of the Red Sox. You know, there's a lot of people think that, you know, he wants to do that. Let's get a bunch of guys, and then then I'm going to tell you how much money. You know, it's basically price per win. Let me just tell you, folks, this is the deal. And it's one of the reasons why Billy Bean is king. And now throw David Force in here for all these years. The A's have won a lot of games, not spending a lot of money. Their price per win is really damn, it's historic. You look at all the wins. Pretty good. Right? Rays, pretty good. That's what these guys want to be. It's like Dave Dombrowski wants to win World Series. A lot of these guys, yeah, the World Series is nice. I mean, Cody, this is crazy to say, but there's a lot of people who work in baseball in front offices that would secretly tell you, eh, the World Series would be great and it's nice, but building this organization and my image, sustainability, price per win, that's what it really means. That's They can walk around and I win more games and spend less money than you. That's their badge of honor. And, they're, and it's flat out wrong, but what am I saying? Are you going to tell me I'm wrong on that? Or would you, Cody, say, yeah, there's something to that? I would say there's something to that because look at the teams that always win the World Series even fairly recently. Dodgers, top five payroll team. Braves, top five payroll team. The Astros were top ten. They were number nine this year. But Philly was in the World Series. They were top five payroll team. Look at the teams that make it far, that made it just made it far this year in the postseason. Padres, top five. Mets, well, Mets were in the playoffs, but – Padres top five, Yankees top five, Dodgers, all those they're all top five payrolls. I couldn't think of the last time a team with a small payroll won the World Series. Just going back to think, Florida maybe in two thousand three. I mean, other than that, it was Boston. You had St. Louis in there. Oh, Kansas City, Kansas City was in there. But the Giants always had a big payroll. The the, the teams that spend money win, and 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 look at all those teams that won. They don't have GMs that are are trying to shape it after me. They're they're shaping it after. The team, they're putting the best product on the field. All right. How about the Giants? What have the Giants won since Brian Sabian left? 
Um, well, they'll tell you they won 107 games two years ago, but that they lost in the first round to the Dodgers. So uh, they've won anything. Yeah, I mean the 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 regular that that that's why I love them to death. But that's why Eno is like the numbers people are so freaked out about the regular season versus the postseason because the regular season their numbers and everything that they do matters so much. And then you get in the postseason. Well, this is where the glory is. And this is where the numbers people get kind of taken out of it. So the glory doesn't go to them. Right? There's not, you know, the World Series MVP goes to Jeremy Pena. Doesn't go to the front office. The parade, it's got the players going down. The 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 fans shower the players. The parade is all about the player, not about the front office. Regular season, the front office can control things. Postseason, ah, it's a crapshoot. Huh? That's where the stars are. But that's where they don't get all the credit. And by the way, before we get to Ken Korak, I know we got a break to set him up. Um, MLB Now starting the show. And you know how much I love MLB Now. I love Brian Kenny. But MLB Now starting their show, their first show after the World Series, their first show to break down the World Series was all about one thing, a pitching change. A pitching change. Should Zach Wheeler have been taken out? Alvarado comes in, three-run bomb by Jordan. Breakdown, Jordan, righties versus lefties. He was consistent against both. Wheeler was dealing. The circumstances, you could say, well, Bo Porter was talking about the infield defense. Pena should have never got the base hit up the middle. If anything, you played up the middle, double play depth. Would have been a double play, Wheeler. So there are all these sir. But the number one thing, that the show that's supposedly the smartest show in baseball, right after the World Series, their number one topic, the essay that leads the show every day, was about a pitching change. That's a problem. If that's where you think highlighting our beautiful game, these great athletes, players from all over the world, people like to talk about diversity, the diversity that we have in our game, you want to talk about the greatness of baseball, bringing countries together, players together. It was our World Series. The Astros are a great team. What a ride. What a story about the Philadelphia Phillies. All that. The essence of baseball. What are they leading their show with? A pitching change. We all watch the Super Bowl. It's the most watched television program on the on the planet let alone the United States of America, every year is the Super Bowl. We all watch it. We have parties. It's, it's the best. The day after the Super Bowl, you think about you're talking about like a pitching change. You're defining your entire season. You're defining the Super Bowl run by whatever team. Do you think the first thing they're talking about is like a pitching change? You think the NBA Finals, Warriors win? You're talking about a, like a pitching change? Cody, I got to tell you, there's a problem. There is a, when, when the biggest story that MLB now thinks the biggest story is about a pitching change to define a team, a World Series, a season, let's talk about 
a pitching change. If that's where our game is, that's a problem, and that needs to change. Yeah, the, the, the crazy thing, too, is Wheeler was 0-2 in the World Series, an ERA over five and ten innings pitched, and that's that's not good. So we're debating if we should have left him in or not. He wasn't pitching well, and Hembo had a good tweet before we – No, no, no. They, uh, actually, you're wrong. Even Brian Kenny said it. The velocity was still there. He had struck out the last two batters of the fifth. His stuff was still the same. You had a guy that got hit on the elbow that didn't even uh, – Maldonado gets hit on the elbow and he didn't move. I mean, the circumstances, everybody disagreed with you. They said he shouldn't be taken out. But the fact, my point is – That's what we're talking that, about, yeah. We're talking – that's what we're well, – and, and, you know, if Alvarado ends up getting out, we're not even talking – but the fact that that's what we're talking about is crazy. That's what we're – that's how That's how the first show of the, the, the show that breaks down our sport – the whole World Series, the, whole, the first thing we got to talk about is a pitching change? It's not good. It's not good. Not good. You know what is good? Ken Korak. And we'll talk to him next right here on A's Cast Live. Oakland Athletics spring training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, one of the things that we will be doing throughout the offseason is staying connected. It's the big deal. You know, A's Cast and A's Cast Live have always been a big deal because it covers the A's and gives you A's coverage like it's never like the organization has never had before. But as I've always said, the problem in the past was from the last out to the first pitch of the next season, A's baseball went dark. You didn't hear anything. I mean, there would be random hot stove league shows that I tried to do, but no, that's what A's Cast Live and A's Cast give you is coverage 365, 24-7, so we never go away. You will have A's baseball throughout the year, so when you say, I want to hear some Ken Korak, I haven't heard Ken in weeks and months, well, that's not true because Ken Korak joins us on A's Cast Live throughout the offseason. How are you, my friend? That's quite a build up there, Tony. Thanks, man. How you doing? Well, that's what we try and tell people. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're very, you know, as, as important as we are during the season, I think A's Cast and A's Cast Live are more important even in the offseason. It just shows that our brand and who we are never goes away. It's something I've always felt really strongly about, Chris, even when we didn't have it. So I think it's all the more important to have it now and 
and kind of um, embrace the fact that we have A's talk all year round. Well, and the thing, too, now is we get to sit back, we get to take a deep breath, but now it's like time to go to work. It's about building the 2023 Oakland Athletics and how is this team going to compete on a daily basis. And this is kind of the fun thing about the offseason is you just start to see the moves that are made. You see what the other teams do. We now get to see how the whole thing's built. And we're having our first real offseason since 2019. No COVID, no lockout. It's very refreshing. General managers meetings are coming up too, right, Chris? So there'll be things to talk about before you know it. You'll have the winter meetings and a little hiatus for the holidays. But then things will kick in. In January, and that's when there's it's kind of a sprint until uh, spring training starts, and it, it happens quickly, doesn't it? I, I got to think, what is it like when you enter the offices? Everybody's got to be like, oh, my God, the star is here. I mean, like when, <laughs> Wait when a the minute. big star ro- ro- rolls in out of nowhere, what, what is that like? I mean, they throw uh, rose petals. Uh, is there red carpet? What happens? I, I'm bummed that the red carpet, maybe it was in the, they were laundering the red carpet today or something, Chris. But, no, you know, it's kind of cool to be here in the, the A's cast studios at the A's offices at Jack London Square. So uh, I know you and, and the commander worked pretty hard to put all this together. So, yeah, it's, it's fun being over here today. Had a couple of meetings here, and it's all good. What are you most looking forward to this offseason? Personally or as far as the ball club is concerned? The ball club. You can give well, us personally. I think, probably to shoot in the 60s. but I think uh, – well, I think that the off season is always intriguing because you want to know what your ball club is going to look like next year. So um, I know the A's felt a little handcuffed last year, Chris, because of the lockout. And I know Billy and David talked about that, that maybe there might have been some moves that they had contemplated that they weren't able to, to, um, to come up with because of uh, the freeze on transactions. So, you know, I'm hopeful that the ball club improves and, and that perhaps there are some acquisitions they can they can make, Chris, that can help the club. And then that combined with uh, the young players who we got a, a long look at this year, that they can take the next step. So uh, the offseason, the hot stove is always a fun time. Yeah, I, you know, already started getting ready for it. And you start to look at, okay, we don't, you know, we're not going to have to worry about free agents and all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that I think as of right now we can hang our hat on is that there's going to be a lot of pitching. There's going to be a lot of young pitching. There's going to be a lot of starting pitching. So I would you agree for any type of excitement for 2023, that's where we start? Well, yeah, it's a good place to start. And they should be good from that standpoint, Chris. Uh, those guys are all coming back. We would think they would all come back. And then I hope the bullpen guys come back healthy because by the end of the year, and I think in talking to Scott Emerson with uh, you know at least three or four of the his main relievers finished the year on the IL, as you know, Chris, and he talked, you know, a lot of it may have been more fatigue than really being seriously hurt. So my sense is those guys will come back and they'll be fine for spring training because they actually built a pretty good bullpen last year. Uh, I think they got a little tired at the end of the season, so the productivity diminished. And those guys, you know, Jimenez and those guys, uh, Sam Mall and Zach Jackson, uh, spent the end of the year on the IL. So my hope would be that they uh, can come back healthy next year. 
So obviously you get a lot of time to speak with the manager. You travel with them. You talk to them every single series. You know, now that you've had time to think about it, what did you think of the first year of Mark Kotze? I thought he did a great job. He was It was a tough situation for him, as you know, Chris, and we've talked about it, that first of all, being a rookie manager is tough enough. And then you deal with how compressed the spring was because of the lockout, the delayed start to the season. That's tough. Would have, that was tough for even the veteran managers. And then you you trade your big guns, too, during the spring, and guys are coming and going, and guys are landing at the airport, heading out to the ballpark in Mesa, and he's meeting a lot of these young guys for the first time after the, after the trade. So um, I thought he handled that really well. And like I said, that would have been tough for any manager, even a veteran manager. And I think Mark and the coaching staff as well, Chris, and I mean this in the most positive way, that even at the end of the year when they've lost, they had lost 100 games, you wouldn't have known it by the way they went about their business every day. So I think and that was, that was the most important thing and the most impressive thing was that they kept their enthusiasm all year. And it was different from that standpoint because there was more teaching. It's so many young players. There was more teaching, I thought, this year than uh, we had seen, certainly in past years with the A's. Yeah, so with that, we're going to do a test. You need right now to name all 64 players, and if you can name their numbers, too, we'll give you $10 million. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy, I mean, right? Crazy. And all I mean, the guys that made their crazy. debuts and the rookies and first major league appearances and there were some highlights like Langoliers got a double in his first major league at bat right and Tennis, <laughs> yeah yeah homer to right center in his second big league game so uh there were some highlights for sure so uh and like everybody i think i was riveted you know i thought the postseason was great world series was a lot of fun uh thrilled for dusty not that i'm not sure that he needed it but it certainly solidified his his hall of fame candidacy i'm sure you agree so um, I was really, really happy for Dusty. You know, I, I, I think about Dusty. I think about Rob Thompson. I think about Bob Melvin, Snitker, Showalter. We talked about this earlier uh, in the show, and you've dealt with so many different managers. You've dealt with managers at the big league level. You've dealt with managers at the minor league level. And I'm sure you've got your sniff test, whether when you're interviewing a guy on a daily basis, whether you think this guy is good or not. But we're starting to see that transition in baseball to kind of go back to the guy that's got maturity, the guy that's got knowledge, the guy that's got experience, the guy that's got compassion, the guy that's lived a little bit, that really knows how to control and help the players beyond the data, the X's and O's, that really can be somebody that you can go to with a lot of different things. What are you seeing in the game of baseball when we're now just not all looking for guys who can read data. I hope so, Chris. We're also coming out of Joe Madden being fired by the Angels, too. And yeah. some of that at least revolved around the, the, the dissonance that had developed between the front office and, and Joe as the skipper. There has to be a, a blending of those things. I'm sure you agree. And I think even the old-school managers embrace getting data, but a big-league manager also has to have his authority in the clubhouse and his respect in the clubhouse too, and the ability to make decisions during the game. So hopefully we can, we can bridge that and that the older managers, and obviously, you know, Dusty, the oldest ever to win a World Series, 
that those guys don't become obsolete. Just talk about the relationship that, and we'll, you don't have to go into any specifics, but just the relationship that you have with the manager that is beyond just you you putting the, the microphone in front of them because you do get a lot of one-on-one time and you get to learn a lot about the man. Well, you want to know what's going on with your club, right, Chris? And there are times when maybe you might find some you might you might get some off the record kind of uh, information that might be helpful if a certain situation might arise. You might be able to use it, and I think that our job is to is to be the conduit between the manager, the coaches, the players, and and the fans. So to have the kind of relationship that we've had there this over the years with the managers here with the A's, Chris is is really important because after all, for us. Uh, it's about information and delivering that information to the the fans. And the other thing is, I'm trying to learn. I think we're trying to learn every day. There are still situations that come up during a game where I'll go to Kotze or his predecessor to Bo Mill and explain what you were thinking there or what was involved in that decision or explain why that play worked or why a, 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 why a player did what he did in a situation. So uh, I kind of look at it at, at, at at all that is having this like reservoir of, of information, Chris, that you, that you gain over all these years. So off season, yeah. any trips planned? I mean, what are the Corax doing during the holidays? That's a great question. Our daughter's in Denver. So I think there's a decent chance we'll go out and see her again for right. Thanksgiving. And as you know, my dad is still around. He's, uh, you know, 103, and I, on my way up here to the Bay Area, stopped down in L.A. and had dinner with him on Thursday night. So that's a big priority right now, to spend as much time as I can with him. And then, you know, obviously there's going to be some golf in there somewhere. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I don't know where I read it, but it was like, all right, 100 days till pitchers and catchers right. report. And I went, 100 days? That just doesn't seem like a long time. No, I think you want to savor the off season too, Chris. I'm not right. Wrong, I was like, like, I just, yeah, I'm just uh, starting getting comfortable waking up. I don't have to shave. I don't have to. Right. I can just put on clothes, got my golf clothes, and go play golf. It's, I'm kind of enjoying a little bit of. I don't have to do any NFL stuff. I'm kind of, and then all of a sudden I read that a hundred days. I'm like, wow, that's gonna be here before you know it. It's nice to be irresponsible for a while, right? Just to kind of right, shove yes. all that aside, because we're really responsible during this season. <laughs> You know, we have places we have to be at particular times of the day. I always try to find a like a project or two to work on too, Chris. So, uh, well, that's a fun. That's a fun. That's a fun part of the off season as well. I'll tell you this: you know, in our line of work, there is no being late. You can't be late. No, the 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 show starts like we start A's Cast Live every day, home games at four o'clock. It's going on at four o'clock. I'm I'm then I got to rush up to the press box to do A's total access, and then I'm throwing it to you, and then the game's going to start with or without the. You know that's funny. They they're not going to say, "Hey, where's Korak?" We're not going to no. throw out first pitch. No, the game's going. That's one of the things you learn about baseball, and I would assume, you know, maybe any walk of life when you're trying to be on time is that they're not going to wait for you, right? Like if the team bus is leaving the hotel for the ballpark at three o'clock <laughs> and I'm not on it, Mickey Morbido is not waiting for me, right? You better be there. If you're not there five minutes before three, 
you're yeah. late. So you learn <laughs> to be on time in this business, right? Yeah, you're, you're, you're looking around and, and you're looking at the team bus. Uh, you're making sure the players are there. They're not really worried about the The broadcasters, you don't matter whether we win or lose. Stay out of the training room. That's another thing I learned a long time ago. <laughs> the trainers don't want to see you and be on time, right? And, you know, the commander is here. I'm, I'm thrilled to share this little space with the commander. Yeah, people get to see the uh, inner workings of what of, of how we make uh, A's Cast and A's Cast Live work. And the way I led this off, and we'll end on this, it does mean a lot. It means a lot that you don't go away. I don't go away. Mark Kotze doesn't go away. David Force, we're going to see everybody at the winter meetings in San Diego. We'll be there. We're going to be at fantasy camp, and we'll be at spring training. A's baseball doesn't go away. It's 365, and thank you for always being there for us because I know you know how important that message is. You know, the other thing that you guys do, which is great, is you don't just talk about the A's. You talk about baseball. So if people want to get their baseball fixed, they can get it on A's cast. And I think that's a thing because you and the commander have relationships with so many of the national people that you can get them on just by, you know, flipping through the commander's Rolodex. And I think that's something I've really enjoyed in the off season is finding out about the other ball clubs too and what's going on around the game. So uh, that's another thing that you guys do really well. We're going to have our buddy Jeff Blum on who's just going to be done doing the parade in Houston. <laughs> I know. I know. He's Yeah, Cal Bears. Go Bears. Bears are yeah, playing tonight, right? Bears have a basketball game tonight. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, Roxy's doing the game on Pac-12 Network. Oh my God! Yeah, I get it's November seventh. They're, they're playing college basketball. Starting? I think they're playing Davis, aren't they, Commander? I'm not sure. I think they're playing. Uh, they're playing Davis tonight over at when, Memorial when, when, Gym. Wins the Maui Invitational. I've done the Maui Invitational, by the way. <laughs> I have. That was it's great. Man, was that fun? <laughs> right before right. Thanksgiving. All right, my friend. Be well and uh, keep that phone on. We're going to be calling you. Okay, buddy. Thanks. Be well. The, the great Ken Korak right here. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho-Cam Stadium. Shantoni, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. And here comes all the off-season articles that we are going to be breaking down. Don't worry, you don't have to print them all out. They really are. The days of ESPN.com is still the one that's easiest because you can go to you can print print without pictures 
MLB.com wants to put all the videos inside their articles, which I guarantee you, I, I, I wish I could see the numbers. How many people actually click on those videos? Cody, do you think a lot of people, when they're reading the articles, click on the videos? I'm going to go with probably not, no. So the fact that they put them in there, but I in my hand, from Anthony Castrovents, friend of the program, has the top 20 free agent of this offseason class. Number one. And you might say, wow, Aaron Judge isn't 31. Oh, yes, he is in April. Next year when the season starts, he's going to be 31 years old. Does that change how you feel about him? Uh, no, I already told you I wouldn't buy stock. Just like your financial advisor. My financial advisor, I, I, I laid out the parameters. He's a baseball guy. He's a former Division II College World Series champion, my financial advisor, for Cal Poly. Uh, he said sell. Don't buy, sell. So the Yankees might be smart to say, oh, the Giants want to give him $400 million? Good luck. Number two, you want to get older? Jacob deGrom, 35. Opted out of $32.5 million guaranteed. Jacob deGrom, Mr. Six Innings or Less at 35 years old. You buying? I mean, he opted out of a $32.5 million option. Um, on a small deal, yeah. I don't think he's going to get like a six. Uh, maybe he might, you know what? He might get a deal similar to Scherzer, the three for, what was it, 130? It won't be Wait, that he's much. He's not going to be Nolan Ryan pitching until he's 46? <laughs> I want to lean towards probably not since he's going to be 35. But you'll get some good, like, pro- hopefully, this is me being an optimist, not a pessimist. Oh, this is an optimist. You're going to get a you're going to get some good five inning starts. You're going to get at least two good years out of him. Two. He's, he's had a lot of years on the shelf for the last few years. <laughs> two. You get two. Two healthy years. If you sign him for three, maybe the third one he misses like a couple starts. Number three, Trey Turner, thirty years old. Just had a video narrated by John Hamm that was sent around to major league teams for his free agency. Uh, I like him. I think he might be. I think him and Correa are the top two shortstops on the market, for sure. Correa is number four at 28 years old. No question about that. Xander Bogarts, 30. I think he stays in Boston. Interesting. Here's one. Verlander, number six. 25 guaranteed. He can opt out. He doesn't have to opt out yet. Uh, Just won another World Series with Houston. Houston keeps winning. They're not going anywhere. His goal is not money. His goal is 300 wins. Verlander, at age 40, going to win his third Cy Young. I I think he stays in Houston. You're right. But if not, I think the Dodgers make a run for him. And you know who's the guy that could replace him? Well, we'll get to him probably. He's probably on the list. But I'll, I'll tell you who I think could replace Verlander in Houston. This is just me speculating. I think he would be a guy they could sign for less money. Yeah, Verlander uh... – could be wrong. Verlander is not going to – it's not about money. It's about who can help me win games to get to 300 wins. So if you're not a team that's pro, a projected, that's why L.A. and Houston are kind of like the two front runners. You know, because if, 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 if L.A. loses Kershaw, you can step Verlander right in with the, basically money. Actually, you know, I don't know what he's going to sign for, but it'll be comparable, right? And you can just flip them, and then you're saying – 
But Verlander's got to go where they're going to win. Like, just saying, oh, Detroit's going to give me a boatload of money. No, you're not, you're not going to ever sniff 300 wins with, uh, with Detroit. Dansby Swanson at 29 years old. Atlanta Braves. I think if – well, if the Braves leave, they have guys like um, uh, Grisham and uh, they had another second base. They had another young player come up for them. They could replace him. But I think he stays in Atlanta. But I, I do like him. Oh, you don't see him leave. They've signed everybody else. I, I mean, they haven't re-signed him yet. Maybe he tests the market, see what he could get, and they go. maybe they offer him the best money. But then again, Freddie Freeman left. So you can, I guess anything's possible with Atlanta. No. And replaced by? Matt, Matt Olson. Olson. Number eight, Carlos Rodon. We knew that he would opt out. Uh, that guy, this guy could go anywhere. I mean, he's a le- he's a left-handed free agent ready to rock. I mean, he could end up anywhere. Smells like a Yankee to me. I mean, could could, could smell like a Ranger. Could smell like an Astro. Could smell like a White Sox. I mean, he could smell like anything. Oh, back to the White Sox. Interesting. I mean, he could. I mean, where could? I mean, where couldn't he go? Yeah, there's well, well, there's several Oakland, teams. Tampa, Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Yeah, there's a few, but but I mean, he could go anywhere. Cleveland. How about reunited? And it feels so good. Bassey at age 34. Chris Bassett at number nine. Uh, he's the guy I think that the Astros could throw money at to replace Verlander if they want. If they want a guy that's going to be serviceable, who led the Mets rotation for part of the year when Degrom and Scherzer were hurt. Bassett was really good. He pitched crying innings this year. I, 181 I think, and two thirds for him. I think he could be. I, I don't know. He just smells like he just looks like a guy the Astros could buy. Now, does he want to play in Houston? If you want to win, why not? Well, yeah. Brandon Nimmo is a free agent at 30. I don't even know. How do you say? How do you? Okay. I got the uh, Japanese player, Kude Singa. That sounds about right. Um, he's what the. Oh, well, you don't even want. You don't even want to touch it. Yeah, he's a right. He's a, but he's a right-handed pitcher though, right? And he's like thirty. Soft Bank Hawks, the Fuku, the Fuka Soft Bank Hawks. Yeah, I think he's what he's thirty though, right? So that's about yeah. that seems about career, right. Career high two point five nine ERA and a one point one one WHIP, a fastball that's a hundred and one point nine in eleven seasons in professional baseball. He's thirty years old. Uh, he's number eleven. Number twelve is Clayton Kershaw. Let me know when Sarah gets here. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think Kershaw could be a Ranger. It's just because he's from there, and they're going to want to win. Everybody, everybody just just because it's Bochy and he grew up there. No, I thought the Rangers last year too when he was a free agent. They brought remember they only brought him back for that one year, on that one year deal. I mean, really? If you're really, why why would you explain to me? Take the name out. Thirty five year old pitcher. You got to win now. You want to make a commitment to a because remember. Kershaw to the Dodgers is worth far more than Kershaw to the other 29 teams. Once you take away the Cy Youngs, the resume, the track record, he's not worth as much to other teams, especially with his health. What is he really worth? Butts in the seats in Texas. And he's I've never a- heard of anybody signing a pitcher to put butts in the seats. Well, plus he's, they need a leader on their pitching staff. I mean, their pitching staff's not very good. I mean, you got, you got John Gray. You got per- Martin Perez who maybe comes back. You sign pitchers to win games. Yeah, he'll, he'll win games in Texas. Uh, Sarah's here. Sarah's here, by the way. Well, let's ask Sarah. Sarah, I, I, I see Clayton Kershaw to me. His resume, 
He's a statue guy. He's an all-time great with the Dodgers. I get that. The other 29 teams, Clayton Kershaw is a 35-year-old left-hander who doesn't stay healthy throughout the season. So we were just talking about him, uh, and we're kind of going through the top 20 free agents. I know you've kind of – because that's where we are, Sarah. It's off-season yeah. time. Uh, are you excited? How, how do you get excited for the off-season? Well, I get excited for spring training. I get excited for the next opening day. I mean, the off-season is certainly fun, all the player movement, everything you're talking about, but I miss games. So I get excited about more games. But, you know, to the question of Kershaw, I mean, I do think he could be a real positive for that Rangers team. I just heard the tail end of what you and Cody were saying before I came on. I do think he had some intangibles for that team that does need a leader, especially on the pitching staff. But also, yes, he's a 35-year-old lefty who gets hurt. But he was so good this year when he was healthy. And, you know, I was talking about him the other day, and I went back and looked at that reference page, looked at the StatCast page, he has been really good. So even if you get maybe 20 starts of that, that would be incredible for a team that really did need pitching this year, as you guys saw firsthand. Obviously, what you do as a re researcher is second to none. Uh, and I think about the Houston Astros. There's always going to be a stain. It's just, it's inevitable. Same thing happened with the Patriots. The same thing's going to happen with the Astros. But it's hard to deny their greatness when you start looking at, you know, six straight years in the ALCS, now two World Series titles. When you research them and you look at them historically, how do you view the Astros? I mean, just an incredible run. I think that Aside from, obviously, everything you are referring to with 2017, I think they're an incredible testament to player development. And I think that that is true no matter what happened with sign stealing or anything else. I mean, I go back to the Sports Illustrated cover predicting in 2014 that they were going to win in 17. And yes, we know what went on. We also know there is a ton of talent that was on that 2017 team. And regardless of how you feel about everything else, the talent is there. And then we saw that player development again on display this October. Carlos Correa, an all-star shortstop, walks for them. And who do they get but calling up Jeremy Pena, who was his protege, who wins the ALCS MVP and the World Series MVP, the second rookie to win both those awards in one postseason, the first guy to do it as a position player. Felt like he was at the heart of every play at a certain point. If it wasn't Jordan Alvarez hitting a monster home run, it was Jeremy Pena doing something. And so for me, it's that. And guys like Kyle Tucker, I mean, I know you guys with the A's are obviously very familiar with all of these players on the Astros. And we know that, I mean, the Bregmans, the Altuvis, of course, they're outstanding. But a guy like Kyle Tucker, who I think finally started to get that national respect this year, 
that's another example to me of just the player development that they have had over the span of time. So when I look at it, certainly having the two titles, yes, we know what went on with one of them, but more than that, it's the way they've been able to just churn out player after player, the way they've developed this pitching staff, everyone else. I mean, this is a team that lost Garrett Cole. You can go up and down that roster. George Springer is gone. We talked about Graham being gone, and none of those positions were positions of weakness because they had someone else. Do you view them as a dynasty? I, I'm i not great at arguing about dynasties because my feeling is if the fans feel like it and the players feel like that, then sure, I have no reason to tell them, oh, you're not. I do think they're certainly an American League dynasty. I do think that when we look back at it, we see the fact that the ALCS ran through Houston for six straight years. That's undeniable. I know one year was technically in the bubble, but still counts. And I think that that is certainly a type of dynasty. I think when I think of World Series dynasties, I think of teams winning three in a row winning back-to-back years. But I do think that they have a dynastic element to them and certainly the power over the American League. The fact that we will look back and look at how we predicted how the American League might shake out. And every spring, we were talking about the Astros. Yeah, you know, it's so funny, you know, watching the World Series, I kept having in my mind going... I can't forget that the Phillies were the third place team, that it was about the Mets. who obviously you're so close to being there in New York, the Atlanta Braves, and then the Phillies. Now the Phillies are here in the world series. They're representing the national league, but at some point we're going to get out of the postseason. We'll be back into our little world here of the hot stove league. And the Phillies are third, still the third best team in the national league East. I, you know, now that it's over, like, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you, do, do you think this, this is a Phillies team that all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, they're going to take this experience and be hell on wheels for next year. Oh yeah. We're going to get back to reality. And they're still not really better than the Braves or the Mets. I think they showed what their best case scenario is. This is a team that was 21 and 29 they were tied for the fourth worst record through 50 games for any team to win a pennant. So we know they got off to a tough start and that kind of had them playing from behind. But I think we see what a best case Nick Castellano says. Bryce Harper, we know was an MVP. At this point, he has cemented himself as reliable. We saw the impact of the DH in the National League with him. We saw best-case Alec Bone. We saw Bryson Stott really start to find himself. And we know how good Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are. And we saw Ranger Suarez really come into his own as well. So I think this becomes a team that has even more of an argument now in the free agent, in the free agent market just to say, hey, this is what we can do when we go on a run in October don't you want to be part of this? And I know I just mentioned Stott, and I know that he really did 
you know, you know make some leaps throughout the year. But I would imagine that this team with Dave Dombrowski will be in all of those conversations about all of the shortstops who we've basically been talking about for two years straight now. And whether it's a Trey Turner, Carlos Gray, Dansby Swanson, Indivision, whatever it might be, I could very likely see them having a guy like that. And if they have someone like that, maybe that is what puts them over the top in the future. I mean, I think they showed that they can absolutely hang with the Mets and the Braves as currently constructed. And if they had all started off sort of on the same foot, I think it would have been closer for the division anyway. Like LeBron James, who still has people that don't like him. Bryce Harper, same deal. High school on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So there's always going to be the haters out there. But how much did this postseason run and his performance, do you think, change his detractors? I mean, it's very hard to be a detractor of him at this point. I don't know why anyone would be, but again, I'm positive about these players and just love this game so much. I know not everyone sees it the way I do, but he got his chance. He finally got his chance with the team that was built to be succeeding in October. He was in the playoffs with the Nationals, but that was a team that had not ever advanced. As the Nationals, when he was on the team, they had never won a playoff series. He finally gets in a different situation. He's finally in the playoffs, and I felt like that home run he hit when they clinched the NLCS, that was his moment. That was the moment he was billed for, bottom of the eighth, trailing and yet he's coming to the plate and everyone knows he's going to a film run he's going to do it and lo and behold he did so regardless of whether some people thought he had been overhyped at some point i think he has actually gone from maybe overhyped if you think that to now underhyped and sort of underappreciated but i think regardless of what you felt of him Seeing him take that moment by the horns, that's what you want to see any player be able to do. So I, I just think it was an amazing sort of coming out party for a guy who we've known about since he was 16, who's already won two MVP awards. And again, so grateful, just as a baseball fan, for the DH in the National League that we ought to see this at all. He couldn't play the field. He was unable to do so. We would not have gotten any of these great moments if not for that role change. And I know I'm preaching the choir with an AL, uh, AL, um, you know, uh, AL person like you. But, you know, yeah. I, I still want to say that. Well, speaking and staying in your National League, you National Leaguers, you senior circuit, you, um, in your hometown, you know, this is the entertainment business, and the best entertainment right now is coming out of the bullpen, Timmy Trumpet for the Mets, and uh, a record deal, Edwin Diaz, how do you feel about that? I mean, first of all, I love seeing a player show that, you know, dedication to the team. And that's nothing against guys who go out and see what they have on the open market. But 
you know, we don't see that many guys sign during this exclusive negotiating window these days. So when that came down yesterday, it was almost like, a, oh, yeah, the Mets get to talk to him first. Like, you'd almost forgotten. But, I mean, having grown up a Mets fan, obviously now I don't root. But bullpen has always been a very, uh, very important part of this Mets team. And he has really been the first closer they could rely on in that way in a very long time. And as you said, it's the entertainment. He was really, really good. He was also something to be seen. They brought in Timmy Trumpet. They turn out the lights. They have foam trumpets. I mean, it's all part of the experience. So it's certainly very important for the team moving forward. I was on a show on SNY with Broadcast the Mets a couple weeks ago. We're talking about what should be their first off-season priority. And I said, yes, and it appears it was since they got that done first. Obviously, that gives them time and budget, you know, understanding to look ahead to bigger things, maybe an outfielder who plays in the same city or previously did. But regardless, it's a great deal. And, you know, I know people look at, oh, it's a record amount of money the years anything else i think we often lose track of how much inflation happens with these deals i mean a couple of years ago world of chapman mark lansing kenley jansen we're all getting record-breaking deals these records get broken every year so i don't think that it's an overpay and if you get three outstanding years out of him that is already exactly what they need yeah, you know, the bottom line, sir, is this. They don't give that money unless they have it. Yes. I and mean, they have it. Uncle Steve's got a lot. We call him Uncle Steve, right? <laughs> Sounds right. Sounds yeah. right. Now, obviously. Steve Cohen's got it. I think I think they're going to be okay. Definitely. And I think, you know, the whole conversation is Aaron Judge, right? feels like that's the conversation in the Bay Area where you guys are with the Giants. I saw a quote from uh, Pete Patilla, the new GM of the Giants, about how he was walking into Phil's Coffee and someone pulled him aside and said, hey, are we getting judged? Yeah. And I thought that was the funniest thing. But, you know, I know a lot of Mets fans around here who are also hoping that Aaron Judge is in a Mets uniform, and of course, there's also the fact that he was on the Yankees. The Yankees are the team that tends to sign guys like this, so we'll see what Uncle Steve has in store, but it's an interesting offseason, to be sure. That's the thing, and let's end on this. That's the thing that I've always said. Like, anybody can pop off outside of New York and be like, oh, we're going to spend more money, but you just... you know, in the end, are you telling me you don't want a monument, Monument Park with, with, with Ruth and Garrig and Jeter and Reggie and all these guys? Or do you think nobody's got more money than Uncle Steve in the New York Mets? I If he doesn't sign with the Yankees, I, I don't know how New York, I mean, because that would, wouldn't that be the biggest stick it to the Yankees for the Mets, which they love to do, is to take Aaron Judge from the, from them? I mean, I cannot think of a time 
when the Mets and Yankees truly competed for the same free agent. I know that I was talking to Buster only about this during the season. You know, we've all kind of seen this coming. The fact that the Mets offense clearly this season needed another slugger. And the fact that Judge was headed toward free agency, did not take an extension, was going to be out on the open market. And if you look at the big free agents that have signed with either team over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, they were never really both looking at the same guy. The mess weren't in the Garrett Cole market. The Yankees weren't in the Pedro Martinez market back in the day. There was kind of reporting with Carlos Beltran when the Mets got him, but it was kind of last minute that the Yankees stepped in. So we haven't seen how this goes. And then you add in the fact that this isn't any Mets team potentially competing with the Yankees for a free agent, but it's a Mets team with Steve Cohen, with his pockets, that has already shown they're willing to go out and spend like that. It's going to be fascinating. I mean... Personally, I, I love it for the city. I love it for the water cooler talk. The yeah. idea that people are going to be talking baseball, hopefully, in January at work. I know the Jets and Giants are better than expected, but you know what? People are going to be talking baseball in the winter because of this in New York, and I love that. Well, I'll tell you what. Ever since your diagnosis, the the – the pouring in of the love for you in Major League Baseball uh, has been unbelievable. And it just shows in our community how much you're loved, how much you're appreciated. You know how much you mean to us here on a on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. You have always made our show such a better show, a smarter show. And really, you're the backbone of Cody's research because Cody's not good at research. So all he does is contact you to get the research. So without you, I don't know where Cody would be. Uh, we love you to death. And I can't tell you what, what, what you mean to this show. You mean everything. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I mean, I said last time I chatted with you guys, but I've been overwhelmed. None of this has sunk in. And now it's the off season. I'm like, oh boy, I have to get back to all of these incredible people who have reached out. And I've been so overwhelmed reading the messages that I haven't replied. So I am going to get back to you if you're listening and you hear this. But I mean, thank you guys. And Cody, you know, I'm always glad to help with the research. So it's all good. We'll talk to you soon, Sarah. Thank you. Have a good one. The great Sarah Langs right here on A's Cast Live. Yes, she was diagnosed with ALS. And, you know, I, I, I know I don't want to, I mean, at this point for her, as she has said publicly, that she wants to talk baseball and continue to do her job. And I think that's the number one thing for us is to continue to bring her on and let her do her job. You know, at some point you're going to hear, you know, all the well wishes and everything, but you want to do your job. And so that's why, I, you know, Cody, I know for us, I want to, you know, I want to still bring her on. 
She's an incredible researcher. I don't know if there's a better one in the game. And there's a reason why she's on MLB Network and she's on Buster Olney's podcast. I mean, that just shows you the quality of her work. She goes on the biggest shows that we have in our industry. And the fact that she takes the time to come on our little show is a big deal. So, um, yeah, it's what we want to keep continuing to do. And, and as long as she can do it. And baseball, I think, is going to keep her going for a long time. So, and I know how Cody, how much she means to you. Yeah, it's. I always think of Sarah whenever, especially after the World Series. Uh, Sarah's like one of the first uh, individuals I think of about coming on because of not only the research, but just the baseball fandom in her about about just talking about the game. Like we could talk about the game as much as we want, and we have Hall of Fame stuff we can get into later. Like that, we, that no one enjoys more than we do. But when it comes to talking about the game and the World Series and looking up numbers. Sarah's the absolute best. There's only even close. Uh, yes, that's a shot fired at you, Hembo. Um, no one's better than Sarah. And I'm, I'm glad we can bring her on and let her have some joy because, you know, she, we know she's going through a tough time. But um, she means a lot to us, and she always has and always will. And we'll bring her on as much as she wants to come on and, and talk with us. She'll be, she's always going to be welcome uh, for as long as she wants to come on and talk. So quickly, before we get to Jeff Blum in Houston, we ended with the top 20 free agents, number 12, Kershaw, 35. Tyler Anderson, by the way, the ages, you just start, I mean, all these ages, they're no joke, right? And nothing against age, but Tyler Anderson, number 13, lefty for the Dodgers, 33. Jose Abreu is still a very good player, but he's 36. First baseman, White Sox, Wilson Contreras, catcher, who Said goodbye how many times to Chicago? <laughs> well, the, the, took Chicago off of his Instagram. Yeah, you take you take the Cubs off your Instagram. You have to leave. Well, he didn't leave. Yeah, there's no coming back from that. There was a. I told you last night when we talked. There he was, was still allowed to play right after he took him off the Instagram. Yeah, all, you know after you know, all the hugs. Graham, uh, hug, the hug gate as they called it. Uh, he um, there was apparently a trade that was nixed by Jim Crane that he could have went to the Astros. Um, I only saw the headline. I didn't click on it because I'm like every anyone else. I just I, I run I run with the headline because I believe everything that's on the internet. Martin Perez, 32. Maybe he comes back to the Rangers. Uh, Josh Bell. Wow, he did not. That was a um, bad look when he went to San Diego. He was terrible uh, after being with the Nats. Uh, he's 30. Nathan Avaldi's 33. He's had. What's he got, like 10 Tommy John surgeries? Uh, what was that thing LeBron said? Not five, not six, not seven. Um, Nathan Avaldi is 33, but he seems a lot older. That arm's a lot older. Yeah. I mean, he still throws incredibly hard, but how long until he might have to have another one? And the reason why he got the contract with the Red Sox was because of what he did in a losing effort in the World Series where he went all those innings and extra innings. It was incredible, but uh, – yeah, I, Nathan Avaldi. Anthony Rizzo, 33. He hasn't officially I mean, opted out yet, but he the, the rumor is that a lot of people think – people yeah. in the know think he will. But, I mean, he was – he turned into a, your typical what Yankee baseball has become, home run or nothing. And there was a whole lot of nothing when he didn't hit home runs. He had, what, a strong June? Yeah. He was hitting a ton of bombs in June, but he was hitting like 212. It was like – Great. He had 32. Was it 32 home runs? I think he had 32 or 33. Yes. Because remember, remember in June, then the Yankees had like 50 something home runs in the month of June. 
Oh, yeah. It was when the A's were there at the end of the June, they hit 55. They set the record for most home runs in June. Yeah. So I, I forgot. It doesn't say I can. Uh, Rizzo had 32 home runs. Correct. 32 is what he ended up finishing with. All right. And number 20, another pirate that got away, James Tyon, will be uh, rounding out your top 20 at age 31. Yankees right handed pitcher. We got a bunch on the honorable mention, including our old friend Elvis Andrus is on there. A couple Giants, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria. Uh, Longoria's got a 13 million club option. Good chance they will opt out of that. Joey Gallo is on there. Jock Peterson of the Giants. Um, Shaman I was really Shaman I was released today. Or they he I don't know if, I think he was just a free agent. Free agent. The the interesting yeah. one with San Diego is uh hey, Robert John Suarez. Hey, back with the green and gold right here. I remember we talked about that uh what, last week. Uh uh Robert Suarez, the reliever that's thirty one, elected free agency. He's gonna someone's gonna sign him and give him a lot of money. Um I don't know if you saw this before we get the Blummer. November sixth or December sixth when we're in San Diego, the MLB draft lottery. So we'll be there when it happens, so we can talk. That about matters. It. it now matters for us. Sixteen and a half, sixteen and a half percent chance with the, us, the Nats, and the Pirates all to get the first pick. We'll see December sixth in San Diego. I love it. Coming up next, we head to Houston. Jeff Blum, boots on the ground. The championship, the parade, all next. I know. It's just we'll do it one time. We're just doing it one time. That's it. We got to honor the world chance. We got to do it next. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, let's bring in the World Series hero. Let's bring in the Cal Bear. And he is essentially a man that just collects World Series rings now. <laughs> I mean, no matter where he goes, I mean, how. This is unbelievable. What do you got? Three now? Yeah, one on my own and two uh, just by you know guilty by association, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, three three total, and uh, don't forget. So what's that? Two more uh, American League championship rings mixed in there, and don't and also, I've got two Double A championships. Man, those are still on the mantle, and I've got my Cal College World Series ring. I mean, it's just, I mean, the jewelry. Hey, and by the way, those minor league championships, they mean something because those guys. They mean it to the player. I mean, my guy, because you know, everybody's striving for one thing to get to the big leagues. And so many of those guys won't get to the big leagues. Those minor league championships, they stand out because they got unbelievable memories. Oh, they, they carry all kinds of stuff with it. And you talked about how, you know, there's a lot of individual talent 
when you're playing in the minor leagues like that and you're all trying to jump each other and get to the big leagues as fast as you possibly can. But when you do win championships like that, you start to look back or you, you, you have a chance and you pull up the roster. And I mean, there's some big names on some of those rosters that you uh, were actually able to win championships on. But you know as well as I do, if you're doing anything and you win and, you, and, and you're the best team that given year and you get recognized by, by holding on even in the smallest Jostens ring there is, it still means something to you. You accomplish something. So how was the parade today? I know you're a part of the coverage. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It was it was crazy because in 2017 we we had the opportunity to walk the route kind of ahead of all the players, and that was exciting in itself. Just because the fan base here is so fervent and so so uh, endearing to us that you know they gave us a pretty healthy uh, a cheer. But you know, obviously everything was safe for the players. But this year I had a, a, a unique opportunity to sit on the desk and anchor with a couple of other uh, people uh, the the World Series cover or the the World Series parade coverage uh, this afternoon downtown and I had an absolute blast. I didn't get to ride the float but I got to see the entire parade coming down the road with Texas Southern University's band, the University of Houston. I mean they did a great job of recognizing all of the local communities before in schools before they actually got to the players and brought not one, but two trophies down the, down the street. So it was very exciting, very emotional, and uh, a well represented parade by a lot of Houston Astro fans. It was it was a lot of fun. You're like you're like the guy back in the studio for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> I felt like that. I, I definitely felt like that. I'm starting to point and look. I'm like, hey, there's so and so, and they're waving to the crowd. There, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, I could, yeah, I couldn't help it. You know, once a fan, you know, fans start yelling, you turn around, you got to acknowledge them. But it was, it, it was a very, very well planned and controlled chaos for a, for a pretty joyous city. You know, you, you think about this team. You know, it's six straight years in the ALCS. Now two titles. A lot of different guys than from 2017. But now that you've been around it for years, what is the greatness? How great uh, How great is this run? It will, you know, I appreciate you saying that because I know that outside of, of the Houston Astros organization and, you know, outside this southeastern pocket of Texas, it's kind of hard for people to respect, try to respect and understand what's going on. But if the best way to do it is do it exactly what you just said is since moving to the American League in 2013, which is 10 years ago, they have gone to six American League championship series. And to put that in baseball terms, if you're getting on base at 60% of the time, that's a pretty damn good clip. And then two of two of four World Series. And if you go two for four every day, you're going to be beyond the Hall of Fame. You're going to be on, you know, the, the Mars Hall of Fame in baseball. So what they've been able to do is pretty impressive. And I just hope that, you know, someday that some of the prognosticators and some of the people outside of Houston, you know, nationally can understand how great this team actually was with their pitching staff, uh, pitching as well as they did, their bullpen putting up historic numbers, you know, throwing the second no-hitter in World Series history and seeing a rookie in Jeremy Pena at shortstop win an ALCS MVP, win a World Series MVP, and add a gold glove to that uh, to that mantle in one year is is truly remarkable stuff. But I think, you know, maybe long after we're we're dead and gone, they'll look back at this team and go, "Man, this this was a very good time to be an Astro fan." Oh yeah, I hate it. I mean, I admit it. I hate, but I, I get I, it too. I totally I, I, get it. Totally right. It's like the Patriots, right? I mean, the Patriots. Yeah. There's a stain on the Patriots, but they're still the Patriots. You have to respect it and what the Astros have done. And really with this team, 
mean, 2017 was was quite a while ago. I mean, and we're in 2022 for God's sakes, and the majority of these guys weren't on that team, weren't weren't a part of it. I mean, there are some who are, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you, you got to really give the front office is different. There's a lot. Dusty's different, uh, but you got to give a lot of credit. I mean, think about. It. We used to talk about the greatness of Carlos Correa. The guy's got huge stones. He was a tough player. And you let him walk for this guy, Jeremy Pena. How's this going to work? And actually, you know, all the MVPs and everything. The one thing that impresses most is the shrewd business decisions. And I've been saying all show, remember, the Astros aren't cheap. They spend a lot of money, but they do it wisely. No. You, you you nailed it with that. You know, Jim Crane takes a lot of criticism uh, across the board. He you know, obviously you get to a point in your in your life and in your career to you know when you get to that status where you're where you're able to own a baseball team, and of course the scrutiny is going to be a little bit greater. But at the same time, you're right. It, there is a certain shrewdness to it where. He, he played baseball in college, had shoulder problems, wasn't able to make it as a player. Who knows if he would have. But the fact is he still loves the game, still understands that he's in on meetings and obviously has the, the, the very last word on contracts and who they're going to bring in and who they're going to keep or who he's going to pay. And he, he broke down the numbers with James Click, talked to Dusty Baker, talked to guys in that clubhouse and said, you know what? We got a guy that we're going to take a chance on. And it's a unique time, too. You got to think about your the willingness to not—I mean, you're not giving up on Carlos Correa, but you're you're making a, a logical decision to say we're going to save thirty-four million dollars, go with this rookie because he's protected. He still has Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Yuli Gurriel, Jordan Alvarez, T Kyle Tucker, Martin Maldonado. There is an insulation there that protected Jeremy Pena throughout the course of the season to allow him to go out there and figure out who he was. There was no pressure on him to do the things that he just accomplished, so he, they let him blossom into who he was. He had a phenomenal year, but yeah, there, there's a certain shrewdness and thoughtfulness to what's going on because if the, if push did come to shove and they needed to go get a guy, James Click had had the you know the purse strings taken off to go get somebody, but fortunately he didn't have to. The reaction after the final out with everybody just hugging and all over Dusty Baker, I think absolutely said it all. Um, now that you've had a couple days to think about it, Dusty what he was meant to do when he came in here. Somebody had to be at the front of it, was going to have to take some of the bullets, even though he had nothing to do with it, and how he's ushered this franchise through these times and to finally get his World Series title as a manager. What has this been like? Uh, well, that's another thing. I really hope that if you do have that disdain for Houston, don't put it on Dusty Baker because you like we're very similar in the sense that we're big fans of the game. We're big fans of history. We're big fans of of players and managers and, and guys who have accomplished things and, and earned the right to win a World Series championship. It's amazing. It's taken this long for Dusty to earn the right to raise that trophy. But I think that you know, it's kind of serendipitous that he's doing it here in Houston amongst all those things that you're talking about because Dusty was brought in here after A.J. Hinch and the Jeff Luno era and all of the controversy around how was the culture in Houston and you put one of the most beloved ball players, most beloved managers and just beloved people in baseball at the front of this and it allowed him to go out there and kind of deflect a lot of the negativity and protect all those guys that were behind him. 
And you kind of saw that develop into a trust and a love for Dusty with these guys when you started to hear some of the interviews they were giving these days. We want to win this thing for Dusty. And I think that those players started to realize how good Dusty was. They understood that he was doing a good job of deflecting some of the negativity and the hate that was coming their way because he is so graceful at how he handles himself. And then you you say he's got 2,000-plus wins and he doesn't have a World Series championship. Let's go get him one. And now he's able to hoist the trophy. And I'm sure that when he gets done doing all the media rounds and getting all the, the love and glory that he deserves – he gets a chance to sit down and start writing that Hall of Fame speech. And that is probably one of the more anticipated speeches for me, just being around Dusty for the last three years and understanding what he means to the game and what he's done for the city of Houston is going to be a lot of fun to hear about because he's got some stories to tell. When you think about Verlander, he can opt out. The money to me doesn't matter. I mean, he's already got so much money. His wife's got more money than him. Money's not a problem here. The thing for him is he wants to get to he wants to be that last guy to get to 300 wins. Yeah. And the only way you're going to do it is you've got to be on like I, I I've it's like Houston, LA, New York. Like other than that, I don't know who you can really say okay, who's going who's winning 95 games a year and can help me win close to 20 games every year to get me that. I So, I unless he's get really, to me, it's Houston and L.A., right? I mean, if he mm-hmm. opts out, you, you basically – and I don't know if Kershaw's going to want to go to Texas or whatever's going to happen. But, I mean, to me, you opt out, pay him whatever. But wouldn't you say it's all about wins? And and if I'm, if I'm Verlander and all I'm thinking about is getting to 300 wins, why would I leave the Astros? That's a great point. And you know what? I honestly, if you would have asked me this before at the end of the season, before the playoffs, I would have said he's going to opt out. He's going to go get paid. He's earned it. He's going to get his third Cy Young in 2022. And he's looking at Scherzer's contract and he's saying, I could get that kind of money, maybe. And the more I thought about it, and like you said, after he gets that first World Series win and the idea, you're exactly right. Because if you break it down, it getting to 300 wins isn't about the money. It's about being in a position to accrue that many wins. And how do you go about doing that? You want to be able to be on a, on a team that can score runs, play defense and protect your leads and give you the W's. And this is a place where he's actually found out that he can do that. And there's also some other hints in some of the other interviews that he's done where he's, he likes to win. He wants to be on a championship team. And I think if you are later in your career, yet still have the ability to garner a contract and be attractive to teams that want to go out there and win. Why wouldn't you put yourself in a position like this to go out there and get paid healthy enough? Like you're talking about, cause it's a decent contract at what? $25 million and stay and stay with the team that you know is going to win. And Oh, by the way, this place loves them. Some Justin Verlander, you're going to go into another situation, possibly with a bigger contract and more expectation or are you going to stay in a place where you've got a healthy contract and a healthy respect from the fans? I don't know. That's a, that's a tough call. But, if you know, two, a month ago, I would have said he's gone. Now I'm going, man, he might stick around for a little while. Somebody said to me, they're like, oh, I can see him going back to Detroit. Okay, Ooh. that's fine. You can go back to Detroit. But <laughs> if you want to get the 300 wins, you got a better chance of seeing Jesus than you do 300 wins if you're going back to Detroit. So, you you want to get to this 300 win mark? I got one of two places. It's called Houston or LA. I, I I think he'd be if he wants to get to 300 wins, which I think in the end is the goal. Houston will pay him handsomely. He should stay, no question. Uh, when you think about question marks 
for Houston in the offseason. What are some questions you see for this ball club in the offseason? Well, you've got uh, Yuli Gurriel's contracts up. Um, he didn't have the offensive regular season that I think a lot of us had hoped he would. Granted, he won a silver slugger, you know, in 2021, fell back a little bit. But in the postseason, he showed up. All of a sudden, he was back to old Yuli Gurriel, getting a couple of knocks, driving in runs, and playing a phenomenal defense. I think that he's a question mark. But these there aren't many question marks. And I know this is going to frustrate a lot of o Oakland A fans is there aren't many question marks. You've got a Lance McCullers Jr. locked up. You've got Fromber, Urquidy, Javier, Luis Garcia, Brian Abreu. All these guys are under control. Uh, I think the biggest question might be how big is the contract they're going to offer Kyle Tucker? Is Kyle Tucker going to take the contract to keep him around? They locked up Jordan Alvarez early in the season. Um, Alex Bregman, Altuve are still around. Martin Maldonado, I think, would play here for the major league minimum because he loves it so much. Um, you know, Vasquez and Mancini may go out and test the free agent market, which is totally understandable, who were acquired at the trade deadline. You know, Michael Brantley's a big question for me. Would they be willing to bring Michael Brantley back if he's healthy? Because Michael Brantley is such a huge asset in this organization that even though he wasn't playing, he provided so much stability in that clubhouse and, uh, and information to help these guys get through the World Series that I think he still retains a ton of value. And center field, even though Chaz McCormick may have made the catch, of, you know, the, yeah. the catch of the year in center yeah. field. If you're looking at a place to upgrade, you could upgrade out there. Ryan Presley's under contract for two more years. You know, they're in an unbelievable position to where as great as 2022 was, there's still a real chance that they're going to maybe be the favorite, you know, in competition with the Seattle Mariners to win the West again next year. It's unbelievable. Come on, give me one negative. Give me just something. Give me, give me something to hang my hat on. Well, I mean, okay, so we just go. Give me just a little doom and gloom. Just a little. <laughs> well, how about this? I mean, this this kind of feeds into maybe maybe outsiders look at the Houston Astros because you know is Dusty Baker coming back? His contract was up. James Click, the GM, is yeah, he coming weird. back? These are two guys that replaced him, and I think that might be the most the most anticipated or controversial, I don't know if it's controversial, but the most anticipated idea is are those two guys going to come back? Because Click came in in a situation in replacement of Jeff Luno, really didn't have to do too much. You know, he went out and traded for Mancini and Christian Vasquez, signed a couple of free agents, brought over Maton, guys like that where he made some moves, but he didn't have that big splash. You know, Rafael Montero came over in that Kendall Graven trade last year, really proved to be uh, worth it in the bullpen, but there really wasn't that huge splashy pickup for, for James Click as a GM. So that's something that Jim, Jim Crane's going to have to talk about. And then I don't know if he's going to sit back and just put a blank piece of paper in front of Dusty and say, you just give me the numbers and we'll sign it and move on. I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to work, but those are the two contracts that are up that might be the most interesting to keep an eye on. Was the Click thing weird when you're like, wait, we're in the World Series, the GM, like we go to the playoffs every year. What's the problem? Yeah, it, it's it's weird, and I he, I like James a lot. I've been, I've been able to sit down, have conversations with him. Um, I'm all I'm much like you, where I'm just I'm intrigued by how some of these guys' minds work with numbers, but also how they apply it to baseball. So it was kind of fun to you know pick his brain about how you take the numbers and 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 take Aaron Nola for instance. How do you pick apart Aaron Nola start? and try and create a game plan to go and beat him in the World Series. So we've had conversations like that, which I think he's great at. But, you know, that being said, with him not making a big splash, where was the opportunity? 
you know, they're, this team won the World Series by maintaining. Maybe you give them a little bit of credit for pulling back on a little bit and saying, hey, we've got enough to go out there. Maybe that's how it happens. But it is kind of interesting, and I would imagine sitting there answering questions about a World Series team that you've been a part of for the last three years and really didn't draft, develop, or, or bring in too many guys to, to, to say that you left your, your handprint on this team would probably be an interesting conversation. What's the biggest story for you in the offseason outside of the Astros that you're looking forward to see play out? I, I think the, even though the Astros won the World Series, I think the National League is ahead of the American League. So I'm kind of curious to see where that really? balance comes back. Yeah, I, I think the Braves are dominant. I, I, they underplayed. I don't know if the time off gave them, you know, gave them a little bit of uh, inconsistency. Uh, the, the National League East with the Mets, you know, Steve Cohen's going to go bonkers. I don't know what he's going to do next to try and bring more yeah. guys into that organization. How about Aaron Judge? <laughs> well, that's well, that gets me to the point. I was I was going to bring up the Yankees. The way that Aaron Judge's tenure so far ended in New York. And then, you know, I'm still in tune with, you know, my left coast people out there in Northern California and along the West Coast. Him, knowing he's a Fresno State Bulldog and going into an environment where he would be beloved instead of booed after hitting 62 home runs. The, the Giants, I mean, if he ended up in San Francisco and we'd be talking about four or five months, I would not be shocked at all. I know. I know. I, I just, the thing for me, and, you know, understanding history, I just, I don't know how I would, like, think about, I'm going to have a chance to have a monument next to Babe Ruth, yeah. next to Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, Reggie You're all Jackson, over this legacy Eric stuff. Man. I mean, seriously, like, you know, when you're long gone, your your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they'll go and your monuments, like, like that's far different than being on the, Wall of Fame with with Rich Aurelia and the Giants. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, poor Rich, man. Come on. <laughs> Marvin Bernard. And I mean, come on. Oh, Marvin Bernard. Yeah, I remember you those You know days. what I'm saying? You were out here. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. like, come on. it's a big difference. What happened to Will Clark and some of these guys? I mean, that's not too shabby. It's not Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> true. Very true. And a little, and that ballpark in New York is obviously a little, a little more conducive to the mega power that uh, Aaron Judge provides, but he's going to make him open up that uh, that bank vault and get deep in it. By the way, uh, your left shoulder—is the Cal jersey still up? Oh yeah, yeah. Get that Astro stuff out of here. Let's see the Cal stuff. Sorry. There we go. There All we right. go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, the old blue and gold. You know what? Make 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 my fan base love you again. I know I got to come back in good graces. Yeah, I'd put that thing on, but I would need like a pair of scissors and gauze to get that thing off, man, or Vaseline or something. <laughs> Dude, that that thing is about maybe about fifty pounds ago when I was I was just a scrawny little eighteen year old punk freshman at Cal and running around trying to beat up on Miami and Florida State in the College World Series. You were a shortstop, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Bob Milano brought me in. Uh, you know, I was just a lanky six foot three, maybe a buck 70 soaking wet after lunch. Wow. And, uh, he, he put me at shortstop and, and, you know, I learned, I learned a tough ton from Alan Regeer, coach lawn, John Hughes, Bob Milano, Oscar Miller, 
you know, there, there were guys there that I absolutely had to lean on to become a ball player and a man. And uh, Cal is where I learned everything I know right now. Think about those days. You're six three. You're a buck seventy five. You're eating as much as you can, and you can't crushing, <laughs> crushing. Yeah, I mean, seven is going. Do I have to up your scholarship just to look like you? I'm feeding you, man. You know what? <laughs> the, some of the best times was going into Arizona State, which was a harsh, you know, harsh environment yeah. at the time. And uh, Jason, who's it? Jason's Justin Stark. Jason Stark. Starkey was our catcher, and he was a little more thicker than I was. He had me by about you know three or four years. He was a junior senior at the time, and he's hitting behind me. And I remember coming to the plate, and fans in Arizona State are going, "Hey, Blum, did Stark steal your meal money?" You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I turned sideways, and the pitcher wondered if I was in the box. <laughs> What do you got? Hey, it's the off season now. I mean, what do you, you got a big trip plan with the kids? What, what do you got uh, going? Dude, you know, my oldest daughter is at the university of Arkansas. So now I'm, I'm all woo pig suey out and I'm, uh, I've gotten, yeah, the Razorbacks. So I might, I'm going to try and catch a football game. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but, uh, I've been lucky enough to meet Eric Musselman, the head coach, head basketball coach for the Razorbacks. And uh, we've had great conversations. He's what he's invited me up to go watch basketball games anytime I want. So I'm going to be a, a, a Razorback men's basketball fan for a little while. I'm going to go watch some Kelvin Sampson over at uh, University of Houston for some basketball. I'm going to try and get rid of my my power hook on the golf course. Oof. And, uh, there, you know, there's a good chance that we'll come out there and visit the West Coast. We still got family and friends out there. I was actually I was just up in your neck of the woods, up in Napa, visiting family up in Napa Valley, man. I love that place. I can tell you it doesn't matter the lesson. It doesn't matter the video. My right <laughs> hand, my right hand. It's here to stay. It does not. It, 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 it wants to take over. And when I'm striping I, um, but that's it, that's how you know striping, you're an athlete. I've been striping it lately. Like I've been putting some numbers up that start with a seven. But oh, what? It, it, every once in a while. Oh, yeah. I've been telling Sparksy I'm going to be ready for him. But Dude, every if once you take in a down while, Sparky, that's impressive. We, we got to get you out at the Olympic Club out there and see how that thing goes, man. Hey, I just want, I just, buddies invited me out, stepped up a little misty day, shot 79 at Harding Park from the tips. Dude, Harding Park is legit, too. Good for you, man. But I'm telling you, every once in a while, Dr. Hook comes back, and I can't <laughs> oh. I can't hear it. Dude, all of a sudden, I've got, like, I've, I've got stinkers on the inside or cutters and sliders coming down and in, and I just open up and rip it to the left. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, Eric Musselman, I've done a lot with him in the past when he was Warriors and the Kings. Old yeah, Eagles. he's been around. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah, he he is one of the best. I mean, it's it's funny because you expect this, you expect this six foot four coach to come out, and he he's all of what five ten. Yeah, and he's just a little wiry guy, and he, the energy for days. But he's he's been a great dude to hook up with. So I'm excited about uh, his basketball season. How was the uh, first one going to college, leaving the house? How'd that go over? Oh, dude, it, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, it's kind of good that because I have four daughters, for those of you that don't know, my oldest is 18, obviously a freshman in Arkansas, and I have three seniors. So I've got triplet daughters that are seniors right now out here in uh, in Houston. And so one, the, the one leaving was tough because it, there's this, you unplug a certain personality and dynamic, you, you definitely recognize it. This time next year, I may be a train wreck. Because you're going to take the chaos of the Blum household 
and just leave me and my wife sitting here in this house. And we're just going to be like, what? Uh, you know, you, you talk about reintroducing yourself. Uh, it's it's going to be a pretty wild situation. But my girls are great. They're they're doing extremely well out here and looking forward to moving on. But yeah, it, it's hard. There's every once in a while when she doesn't answer my phone, I'm like, what the hell? You know, pick up the phone. It's your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine back at school? Like, like you can't imagine like. God, cell phones and, and and just you know, I mean, picture phones, camera phones. If somebody picked this up, I was at a at Henry's or you know, geez, <laughs> out there at Cal. I may not have made it this far. I mean, I'm the I'm the last. I'm like the because I'm a little older than you. I'm like the last generation that didn't have the internet in school. Oh man, yeah, my last year at Cal. Oh, I don't even might have been my last year at Cal. I remember sitting in the basements of uh, some of the libraries on Cal and. You know, that damn DSL noise pops on and I'm sitting yeah. there just praying that I get a connection so I can do some research. But man, yeah, that's that you did the old school way, Tony. Yeah, my last year of baseball was ninety-five. What I it was done in ninety-six. I mean, we we still had pagers. <laughs> yes, dude. Pagers. Yeah, my my wife and I, when we first started dating, she she got me a pager and we had like she said she gave me a list of like codes, like three digit codes <laughs> that meant stuff. I'm like yeah, I mean, I'm like, you're gorgeous, but I go, is this, are we going too far here? You know, yeah. but it worked out. <laughs> All right. Hey, congratulations. Another ring, uh, an unbelievable run. You know, Thank you're you. our favorite. We were, you know, we were rooting for Dusty and you. And other than that, nobody else. I I, I, well, I truly Sparky believe that. Too. Say that again. Sparky. Yeah, Sparky, too. Sparky too. But no, you guys have been wonderful to us. Um. Going through Oakland is always a good time. It's a trip down memory lane for me, but it also reestablishes great relationships like I've got with you, Tony. So I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. All right, buddy. Be well. Have a great offseason. We'll be calling. Yeah, please do. I'd love to chat with you again. It's always a good time, dude. Take care. Thank you. You too. The great Jeff Blum, the Cal Bear, the World Series hero for the Chicago White Sox. And if you go World Series hero, yes, he's part of a statue. He will forever be a part of a statue out front wherever the White Sox play. Even if they, like, build a new Comiskey, what are they on, Comiskey 2.0? Uh, they uh, build you, Comiskey 3.0. U.S. Cellular Field, I think it's called. No, no, Guaranteed Rate Field, I believe is what it's called now. If they build another ballpark, he, he his statue will be there. He's a, he's a statue guy. Uh, you, you, you guys, you know, at the end, you're probably tuning out the millennial listeners. So when they're like, what, what the hell is a beeper? What, what's dial up? What, what is all pager, this stuff? Pager. <laughs> oh, yeah, pay, even worse. <laughs> a beeper, a pager. Uh, one, um, by the way, so the baseball writers association manager of the year finalist the other have out. been revealed. Yeah. Okay. And the. Two people who are running for mayor in San Jose have just called me. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, election day tomorrow. That? Election day tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, isn't that awesome that the people that are running for mayor are calling me directly? Uh, well, you're a big deal. I'm a taxpayer. I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm doing my part. Uh, let's see. Also, a volunteer for Prop 30 is getting a hold of me. I mean, I think it's great that they're reaching out to me right before the election personally yeah it's i think it's special yeah everyone go out and vote election day is tomorrow uh besides the managerial uh manager of the year candidates 
Sam Blum, who covers the Angels for The Athletic, tweeted us about it a little less than 40 minutes ago. Perry Manassian said that Shohei Otani will, and I put this in all caps while I talk, not be traded this offseason. Can I translate that? We're going to trade Shohei Otani this offseason. No. Can I translate that? Go ahead. You ready? We make millions upon millions of dollars of this guy being on our team. I'd like to get rid of him because I could totally revamp my system and do all the smarty, smartest things I can with all the players I'm going to get. But my owner's telling me, you're out of your mind. Are you trading this guy who makes us millions and millions and millions of dollars? And oh, by the way, we don't even tell you how many millions we make off of this guy. But just let me tell you, he makes more for our organization than any other player in baseball. So because of that, I'd love to trade him, but I can't. Yeah, end quote. Or end, good end, translation. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. And we didn't get to it today. We'll get to it on, uh, what, Thursday we said we are going to do it? On Thursday, we'll do go over the Hall of Fame class and talk about the guys that are going to be up for it. Hall of Fame class? No one cares about the Hall of Fame class. It's the Veterans Committee that matters. Well, what's what's Steve? Hold on. Let me find you. I have it on my on the playbook here that's 12 Bonds, pages long today. Bonds and Clemens are back on the ballot already, but now it's the Veterans Committee. Cannot wait. It is called the Contemporary Baseball Era Players Committee. So the Contemporary Baseball, the players on it. Era's Veterans Committee. Yeah, it's a 16-member committee. They'll vote on December 4th, and any player receiving 75% of the vote will be on the ballot. I'll give you the names, but we'll get into this on Thursday. Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, Fred the Crime Dog McGriff, Dale Murphy, friend of the program, Rafael Palmero, and Kurt Schilling. Wait, give me them all again. Albert Bell, Barry yes. Bonds. Okay, wait, Albert Bell, no. Barry Bonds. Yes. Roger Clemens. Yes. Donnie Baseball. Yes. Fred McGriff. Yes. Dale Murphy. Yes. I never took steroids, period. Rafael Palmero. Yes. And maybe one of the greatest big game pitchers of all time, Kurt Schilling. Yes. Everybody, every one of those guys should have a plaque in the Hall of Fame except Albert Bell. And Albert Bell was a great yeah, player. And he was a great yeah. Then he had he had five hundred home runs, right? If I'm I don't have it right in front of me, I think he had five hundred home runs. Hold on, let me. Albert Bell. I haven't looked up Albert Bell in so long. Jesus. Albert Bell. Sorry, no. Albert Bell. Hit, I'm thinking. I was. Thinking, I always confuse him and for some reason him and Eddie Murray. Three hundred eighty-one career homers, two ninety-five batting average, a one forty-four OPS plus. His numbers are pretty yeah, good. He, he's a forty WAR. He's out. Yeah, yeah. He's he's, out. Out. he's got twelve hundred thirty-nine RBIs. That's fantastic, but not Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I'm not putting Albert Bell in my Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, nothing we'll, against him. I mean, he was an absolute ass, but I'm not. That's not why I'm not putting him in. Yeah, well, I just he'd be the Hall of Good. Yeah, see, Fred McGriff to me is a Hall of Famer. I agree. The crime dog. I, I put all those guys in it's except a, Albert Bell. It's a crime that the crime dog is not in the Hall of Fame. Crime Dog should be in the – Fred McGriff should be in the Hall of Fame. He was a really good player. A really good player. Dude, he was a – he did everything he wanted. He led both – he's one of the only guys to lead the National League and the American League in home runs. He had a nice career. And won. And played a terrific first base. I mean, his friend – the steroid guys 
in his era through the home. He almost hit 500 home runs. I mean, he was he's just about there. But he, for if you stood, if you compared him and took the steroid guys out, he's like the best home run hitter of his generation. Yeah, never had any controversy attached to him. Just went out and played baseball, and that was it. And, and he has a great nickname as in the Crime Dog. So we'll get into that more on Thursday. That's that's a good. I mean, we always love talking about the Hall of Fame. So, that, so are they, hey, by the way, did you enjoy me putting this guy up? I did. I thought it was good. Uh, is the Veterans Committee going to stiff Bonds and Clemens and Paul? Palmero's got 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. There's not many people that have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. No. That's a very – That's a very. who's on that? Mays, Aaron. Well, what, you said 3,000 hits, 500 – let me help. 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. How many guys are on that list? There's not many. Let's see. Um, I know Mays and Aaron. Mays, Aaron, Eddie Murray. A-Rod Three. did it? And A-Rod, A-Rod did it? It looks like those are the guys. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Eddie Murray, Rafael Palmero, Albert Pujols now, and A-Rod. And he's on the Hall of Fame? Yeah. I think he should be I mean, a lot it. of people forget about Palmero. Palmero's on the Hall of Fame. He's got 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. And by the way, and was a terrific first baseman. He's a good all-around player. I agree 100%. Palmero was, I mean, Palmero was a baller. It's like people forget this. And it's just, you know, his time up on Capitol Hill didn't do him. Uh... And obviously, when he recently tried to make a comeback, right? I th- I think he was playing, yeah, somewhere like the inter- international ball or something like that. What is he now? Yeah, he's, he's got a 71.9 OPS. He's got 569 home runs. He's got 3,020 hits. He's got 1,835 RBIs. He's got a couple gold gloves. He made a boatload of money, too. He was one of those guys that made big loot. Yeah, he made $89 million. I mean, come on. Are you trying to tell me Rafael Palmeiro's not a Hall of Famer? He should be, but we, we're not in control. We're not in control of this. Also, we'll talk so, about the Arizona Fall League later this week too. We got a couple three guys. Three-time Gold Glove winner, Rafael Palmero. Yeah, he was good on defense. Ridiculous, absolutely. See, you think we can't talk baseball year-round? We're just getting started. We could do a whole show just on this ballot, this Hall of Fame committee. There, that's fact. Are you, are, are, I mean, this is this this is officially Bonds and Clemens' last chance. How long are these guys on this list? I have to do the research, but um, I, I, I forget how many years they get to say on. I'll, I'll have it for us when we talk about it on Thursday. One guy left off, though. Sammy Sosa's not on there, interestingly enough. 600 home runs? Only played at 30, 60 home runs three different times. <laughs> 600 home runs. He's got 600 home runs. Fact or fiction? That's a, that's a fact. He's got 600 home Sammy Sosa has 600 home runs. He's not in the Hall of Fame. It'll never make, sen- right. It'll never make sense to me. All right. All right. All right. So, Cody has a presentation on Wednesday. 
And obviously, Friday's Veterans Day. So we'll be back on Thursday. Thursday from 1 to 4. I think that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, we'll be here at 1. All right, we'll see you 1 to 4 on Thursday. Thank you, everybody. We want to thank the Cal Bear, the World Series champion, Jeff Blum, Julian McWilliams from the Boston Globe, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak, and the beloved Sarah Langs from MLB.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see everybody on Thursday at 1 o'clock. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. And Tony, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.